mother appears to be sucking the contents out of the outer, of the outer membrane of the placenta. She's not supporting the infant. The infant is clinging by on its own to her ventrum. For 17, mother continues to suck in mouth the placenta. She shifts briefly. The infant moved a bit. She provided support with her left hand and continues to provide support as she continues to suck at the placenta. Welcome back to Wiseman Podcast. This is uh, the primate episode, and I am your host, Sean Glynis. I'm here with uh, my co-host, Arlen Golden. How are you doing, Arlen? Hey, Sean. Doing good. Happy to uh, be back in this space with you. Um, you know, I've, uh, as you know, come off recently the fourth annual Drunken Film Fest, um, which is quite an endeavor, but just, uh, doing that this year, uh, having done this, uh, project with you the rest of the year, um, I was particularly attuned to the documentaries, uh, which is always, you know, the most, um, expansive category for us because I'm the programmer and I like docs. Um, but just thinking about kind of the tenor of the film or like aesthetic qualities of like just where short docs are now. It's, it's all shorts in this festival and like not, not, uh, noticing a ton of Weissman or a lot of uh. Weissman influence in like new filmmakers, short filmmaking. Like I think there's, um, now that docs have been kind of put on the same like uh consciousness level to to some degree as as films or just you know become more palatable to general audiences Mm -hmm. i think that there's like not an overemphasis but there's an acknowledgement of just like aesthetics and like um trying to make things look good and like deliberate framing and like you know there's all this uh colored grading that goes on in post now um uh so like the kind of raw uh feel of these early weissman films we've been talking about is just like not really anywhere to be found these days i think and i also it just got me wondering like you know something you talk about a lot about in in these episodes about the films is like accumulation and like you know the mosaic structure or whatever you want to call it and how the interplay between scenes and sequences uh creates meaning within the viewer and it's like is there really a lot of opportunity for that when you're doing something that's like you know 20 minutes or under um do you have to kind of be a little bit more direct and um you know, I mean, a lot of these films are really artful and abstract. I mean, again, I'm, I'm programming it, so I, I like them, and I think they have, they're have of great value, but mm-hmm. just relating them to Weissman, it's like, I don't, I, maybe that, and of course, we know later on his, his run times really balloon, and is it just kind of a, a natural inherent outcome of this style of filmmaking that in order for it to be effective, that there really needs to be, you know, some, some length behind it and, and accumulation as, as you say. Huh. That's interesting. Um, I mean, this is probably, uh, 
I don't want to come off like totally. Uh, uh, I don't. I want to come off disingenuous because I'm. I'm being uh, sincere, but also uh, I don't have a lot of experience with shorts, uh, especially not like you, where I'm watching a lot of them coming out um, all the time for this fest. But um, I mean, I think about your film Backyard, oh, uh, which is a short. And True. doesn't have like talking heads, and um, and I think that there is. And how long is that? That's like seven, eight minutes, seven and a half minutes. And and I think that there is like, uh, I mean, I think a way that you can do that is to, um, remove immediate like stimuli from your doc, like from your short, like so where like you're using this time, uh, this like you know. 10 minutes or whatever to like have a, a a viewer like trying to see their way through the film like try to figure out what is going on because i think that there's accumulation in your film where you're trying to like put together what you're hearing and what you're seeing and the spatial relationship between them mm-hmm. um uh so i think so i mean it's just like you know you it just depends on the the interest of the filmmaker and and um a lot of people aren't interested in building out of like ambience, which might be like a good way to, to do this type of thing in a short. Oh, well, uh, thank, thank you, <laughs> I guess for bringing that up. I mean, obviously I'm heavily influenced by Weissman, so maybe that's going to be more apparent in something I make, but, but in talking to these filmmakers, it is interesting. Like there's somebody, uh, whose work I've screened and continue to, to be friends with, um, who's a big fan of Weissman and maybe we'll have her on later, but like she uh, comes out of the Stanford MFA program, which has given us a lot of great work and, and uh, bright uh, future filmmakers, uh, future filmmakers, I should say, um, Elizabeth Lowe, among others. Um, but she was kind of communicating to me that like other students in the program, like ragged on her for being very into Weissman. <laughs> Like, like, what? as if, <laughs> like, like, as if, as if, uh, we've moved it, on. It, yeah, exactly. As this kind of like a historical thing, like Weissman, you know, had his period and we've built upon that and we've like, yeah, exactly. No. Kind of like moved beyond <laughs> it, you know? Right. Like, so it, 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 it is interesting to just think about his overall influence, I guess today. I mean, there's still plenty of filmmakers uh making works that can be considered weissman-esque but like again going back to i think like the you know for lack of a better word like the mainstreamatizing of documentary just as like a filmic genre um you know like like with that comes aesthetic and like substantive uh needs i guess you know especially when you talk about you know some of the streaming players right like like uh, in some places explicitly have like final cut for documentaries in their agreements that for films they license, like, like, uh, there is, I guess, like, a a move to the middle, I guess, you know, like, like, obviously there's so much great experimental work still happening, but like, um, you, you wonder about that sentiment of like Weissman, someone we're building upon, but we're not necessarily like, drawing from directly in like the current milieu i don't know yeah well i'm interested uh i think um one filmmaker that you 
like I don't have any experience with him, but I, I plan on watching his new film. But Pete Nix, yeah, yeah, um, is one that that seems to be uh, explicitly interested in Wiseman. So I'm interested to see his new film, Homeroom, which is on Hulu. Um, and but yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's depressing, but hopefully you know like there are people you know now that they're available on Canopy that like people like who are interested in, in documentary or filmmaking in general, whatever will will pick up on those and and see value in his approach, not necessarily in like emulating it, but just like being able to think more about I mean, once our podcast goes viral and every episode is just <laughs> yeah. like topping the charts, um they're they're hopefully they'll see more value in like sort of this association and accumulation um that he does in his work. Yeah, what well, one film I will quickly uh, call out from the first year of the fest that I I know you've seen is um, a friendship in tow slash tow by Atsushi Kuyama, which you could see on Vimeo. But like, it, it's a nine minute film, but it's it is you could I think very Weissman esque in its approach, and like that the the accumulation of that nine minutes, I think you could very well see being like one scene or sequence in, in a Weissman style film. For sure. Yeah. But um, the topic well, thank, of the day. Thanks for sharing. That. <laughs> I no, I appreciate thinking about that. Cause we focus so much on Wiseman. Yeah. Specifically like explicitly his films that, um, yeah, sometimes, uh, and sometimes I'm not watching as many documentaries cause I'm like, Oh, that's for the podcast. <laughs> but, but I need to break out of that. But, um, uh, I'll definitely be catching up on some from the last uh, year here soon. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, as we move on, um, I do want to do some uh, fun housekeeping and uh, mention some mail that we've gotten um, or some mail that we've continued to get uh, and haven't talked about yet. But one uh, specifically, Arlen and I got a... Uh, an email from a couple in Cambridge, Max and Sophie, that we just really appreciate, and I think just want to say uh, thanks. Um, but uh, they they wrote us just like a lovely uh, email about listening to the hospital episode, um, and uh, while while like driving through the rolling hills of <laughs> of England, and uh, it was uh, painted quite a nice picture and. Uh, we appreciate the mail, but um, a, yeah. another person that, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say if, if, you know, for me, like a podcast making a long drive, you know, more comfortable and, and pleasurable is like, that's like the purpose of the medium. So if like we could be, <laughs> if we could be a part of that, that's like very, yeah, uh, appreciate knowing that. Yeah. Um, and another person that we want to shout out is uh, Carolyn Anderson, who is our first guest and uh, the co-author of Reality Fictions, uh, a, a very important book, obviously, for our uh, project. And um, she has just been like very diligent in responding to each episode. And uh, I think I speak for Arlen and, uh, as well as myself in saying that uh, it it. it it uh it feels good to get that email and to just get like very um not only thoughtful feedback and uh interaction but also to get like additional information from somebody who's just like been doing this for a long time yeah, and absolutely. has a lot more 
Yeah, it, like we got an email after the juvenile court episode about like their own uh, uh, experience, like visiting with Judge Turner and like um, some of the situations that that you know the the going to lunch with him and being taken around the court and just stuff that is really cool to hear from from someone who uh, laid a lot of the the groundwork for for what we're doing. Yes, it's it's very encouraging um, uh, just to to keep that line of communication open and and to exactly to know that like someone who's thought about Weissman longer than we've been alive <laughs> uh, <laughs> is is staying engaged by by this project. Yeah, uh, we also uh, heard from Eugene again, and he is wanting to know <laughs> if, if we want transcripts to to grow our audience. He's very concerned about our audience <laughs> um, so three three uh people uh four people that um we just really want to say that we appreciate you thank you uh all right so we're going to be talking about primate 1974 film by frederick wiseman this is his eighth film uh feature length film Amazing. um Yes, this is, this was shot uh, over a period of five weeks uh, in January and February of 1973, and then uh, eventually premiered on PBS on uh, December 5th, 1974. And uh, yeah, over that period, they shot 40 hours uh, of footage uh, to whittle down into what we see in the film, uh, which was kind of interesting just to kind of try and work out their their pace Mm -hmm. of shooting you know it's like these aren't full days right and i think if you're embedding yourself uh in in a work like this like you probably do need to pace yourself to some degree you know especially uh carrying around you know doing the boom all day having the camera on your shoulder all day like like you know if if they're consistent day to day it averages you know comes to like two three hours of shooting uh per day right like Right, because but he says that they do like ten to twelve hour days, uh, and when they when they're working, um, <clears throat> which is you know, a lot, and especially if you're like just physically, which I know Wiseman has talked yeah. about being like something that he treasures about the the shooting process is just going through this like, very physical, um, uh, motions and just like training those muscles is is part of filmmaking, but um. If they're doing ten to twelve hours and they're there for five weeks and they only shoot forty hours, um, it kind of uh, like obviously the math doesn't doesn't work out. But um, this gets to something that I wanted to talk about, which was uh, he he talks in a in in an interview with Thomas Atkins for Primate. Um, he kind of breaks his film subjects into two categories mm. um, uh, of being like. Uh, I don't think we've talked about him this way, but I found it important to acknowledge and think about going forward. But he talks about like this, like controlled shooting environments versus like non-controlled shooting environments. Yeah. Um, so something like a scene, I said it right. <laughs> or, or basic training or high school or like the controlled group. Uh, you know, you know, you're going to see, you know who you're going to see every day when you're shooting. Yeah. They know that you're coming. The right. other group would be like this non-controlled hospital law and order, juvenile court, welfare, right. where people are just passing through and you don't know, you don't know what's what, what's going to happen. And um, that lack of control makes for very different films uh, yeah. within, within the Wiseman style. You know, the behaviors we're seeing and I think more importantly, the reactions to the unpredictable behaviors that we're seeing from 
you know the institutional actors is is important and creates a, a hierarchy that we talk a lot about but um primate can i think be considered in the control group where you know we're seeing right. uh these scientists but um but there's a lot of the reason he brings it up and the reason i bring it up is there's a lot like in these controlled groups where people know that you're coming and you know that who you're going to see there's more relationship building to do with staff mm. and people there like that that um or it's more possible to do this like relationship building uh whereas you know in hospital or law and order like people are in crisis mode all the time and as a filmmaker yeah. um uh his dp and him wiseman like are not like going to be like you know building as many relationships with the police officers as they're like going on these these things but yeah um, yeah i mean it's probably too like in in these controlled uh, more controlled shoots like it's just a natural byproduct of like you know you're, you're you're essentially to some degree becoming a part of the institution and in that you know you're a familiar face you know people's names you're there every day um you know the there's already so much observation uh uh like video observation going on something uh Stephen Mamber notes in his journal is like the constant pre presence of uh video screens and mm -hmm. like how how they're trained on different monkeys or apes um so like just adding i guess you know another camera and microphone to the mix and just a couple more faces like was would probably be very natural for uh, an institution like yerks right yeah yeah for sure yeah there's sort of like this um baked baked into to primate um i mean we i talked a little bit about it in juvenile court there's sort of like this watching the watchman and how that affects yeah. the, in in juvenile court i think i talked about it in terms of like how it's affecting these subjects in this very you know cramped space um but here it like is extended to like Wiseman is watching people who are watching this other subject um, and uh, you have to kind of like make sense of, of both uh, practices and what it means for this movie. Yeah, I mean, there's the term that Weissman's always rejecting, observational cinema, right? And, like, you know, observational research is, is a lot of what's happening here, you know, to the point where uh, one researcher is just watching, you know, two uh, monkeys going at it and just like recounting it all directly into his microphone right like like and then we're or a weissman rather and brain are observing him and we're witnessing that observation um you know kind of like putting the scientists in the apes position a little <laughs> bit um and and that that is an interesting like thing that the film plays with and and to just think about uh, as it goes on is like um just the i guess the what's it called like the heisenberg principle right the way observation like you know inherently uh impacts what's being observed what what and it's going to change uh mm -hmm. based on mm -hmm. the observation um so yeah i mean it you know you, you we talk later about like the setting of the research here and how it's very unnatural and like what can you glean from that from a behavioral standpoint um but that's you know a question the film inherently asks just by uh being constructed and conceived in, in the way that it is in the way weissman uh does it yeah yeah i should say i, I um 
uh, I'm so bad at intros uh, that like we have uh, later we we discuss this film with our guest. Are you uh, gonna Alyssa. say we're back in the south? We're gonna do the, the, the <laughs> <laughs> geography report. So we're in, we're in the south for the first time in Wiseman's <laughs> career in Atlanta. Um, uh, but no, we we get to talk later with Alyssa Heflin, um, which uh, is a great conversation. Um, uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> this is with this primate. Primate is about uh, the Yerkes uh, Research, uh, pri- like Primate Research Center, which is in uh, Atlanta, which is owned by Emory University, which uh, we we haven't talked about yet. Um, which is a prestigious uh, institute itself, college, and which is in line with Wiseman's project as like being like you know this is a this is a place that is good at what they do, and this is where yeah. I'm going. So again, like not like a muckraking sensibility that he's going into this as, but like just you know looking at at, at what it is. Um, but uh, this this film kind of going off of uh, earlier mentioning like that it it debuted on pbs uh, in 1974 i kind of wanted to say up front that um uh on the night of the premiere uh the new york station the new york's like pbs station received uh 150 phone calls uh one of which was a bomb threat and the other was a threat on wiseman's life um and uh some of the other channels like refused to air it i think 81 Mm -hmm. of 222 PBS stations uh, chose to air it that night and some of them never did. But um, uh, I think we we uh, read that um, 62,500 households were responsible for the Nelson, the Nielsen rating, uh, which the, we, we haven't gotten a statistic about that yet, I don't think. So I thought it was interesting to know as a frame of reference, uh, albeit one that is probably much lower because some of the stations are, you know, not showing this one because it's controversial. Um, yeah. But it, it's just kind of it's fun for me, hopefully for our listeners to kind of know like, um, how many people were watching this? Like, uh, and this was shown pretty late at night too, um, because of, uh, sensitive, uh, I mean, I just can't imagine like yeah. having just watched it again. Like it's, it, it's graphic, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. but just like watching PBS with your kid and some of this shit comes on. But I mean, if it was shown at 10 at night on, you know, PBS now, I feel like it would still probably cause some level of controversy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, obviously this is the most controversial film for Weissman since his debut, Titty Cut Follies. And like, you know, maybe even more so in some respects, um, there's the director of, um, the center, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Bourne was like, came out very strong against the film going so far as to film. He liked it. Right. Right. Uh, once once it was aired and he started hearing what people thought then he came out pretty hard at, uh, against it even going so far as to record his own like three minute intro mm-hmm. uh, that he was like insisting PBS air along uh, with the film and I think only the, the station in Atlanta ended up doing so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean you know going just you know this isn't something that happened with kansas city police or you know northeast high you know like the principal didn't come out and like cause all this hubbub and you know essentially like in defending themselves uh, add fuel to the fire of the controversy right like um 
but it happened here and it happened within the scientific community it happened within the general public um and uh yeah, yeah maybe i wonder if that's because it's like you know law and order you know the police like you kind of even though you know they're there to serve and protect there is an understanding that they're dealing with in dangerous positions it might not be even for the most naive person it might not be uh surprising that some bad things would happen or you know mm -hmm. whatever however you want to phrase it but uh, maybe that was also a part of the controversy i mean most of it i think is is uh from the actual film the way it was made and some of the images you see but i wonder if part of that is also because of like uh it's an institution that maybe people don't think a lot about or if they do they think that it's done with the utmost respect for the animals mm -hmm. um yeah. but yeah uh it uh, so in so Yerkes, uh which you know continues to exist uh today out of emory um <clears throat> in atlanta uh i wanted to kind of talk a little bit about some well we get into to um to some of the the uh problems that they've had the the um controversy that they've had with Alyssa, um but in like 97 so what 20 three years after this film a researcher died from uh herpes b virus uh b after they like contract contracted it like from blood mm. droplet blood droplets in the lab um which is you know horrible um <laughs> but like they it, we talk about like uh some of the uh pernicious ways that they um access animals and um during the pandemic they were also protested so uh but Wiseman's film was also a catalyst for a lot of protests that weren't existent um, mm. in, at that point um, for for Yerkes. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and Wiseman himself, you know, he, he doesn't claim to be like an animal rights activist. You know, mm -hmm. he's not saying um, that even the, the behavior documented in the film is wrong, right? He's just, I guess, showing it to us and and trying to ask questions that get us to consider it and think about it and why it's happening and what it's happening for um but like you know contrary to like this muckracking image like like that's that's not what he's trying to do like he's not uh i don't know that he is necessarily criticizing the institution at all uh, so much as he's uh, creating the opportunity for a discourse uh, around which one might lay some criticisms. Um, Against but, a federally yeah. uh, funded institution. Right, right. Which So it, 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 as different as it is from his previous films to this point, like it does still very much fall within that sort of uh, codification of his, his interests and projects. Yeah, um, and we we talk in detail about like this special that was that was shot uh, with uh, scientists and researchers, um, and including one that works at um, uh, Yerkes um, that I don't think is accessible anymore. I what channel was it on? Like, it was on uh, WGBH, the Boston uh, PBS station, okay. but uh, produced by Nova. Produced by Nova, yeah. and it was yeah. like sort of this opportunity for discourse, um, where because I think uh, originally Wiseman and Bourne, the uh, director, were uh, invited to talk and like sort of hash it out, which 
is right. also just like it's such a different time in television where yeah. there really are just like five channels um and and i will note the the you know the director of the center declined mm-hmm. to to do it and weissman said i can only assume he was afraid to discuss it <laughs> which like uh, i mean the fact that he was down for it is is interesting i mean it it speaks to uh i don't know i have an image of weissman as being kind of like you know he's a very stubborn guy but also very willing to stick up for for his films like it would have been easy to be like no the film speaks for itself and i don't really Mm -hmm. have anything to say but um he ended up doing he ended up being willing to do that and ended up doing this other uh nova speak with these other researchers which um, is accessible in its like abridged form well Uh, i think i think it it's interesting like because there are kind of two criticisms happening here there's criticisms of the research that happens at Yerkes and there's criticisms of the film and how it presents that research and like the lack of context it offers for that research so I would understand Weissman's interest in trying to speak upon it to just you know uh not necessarily defend the research but to defend the film and the presentation um and he's not he's not entirely uh he's not very vocal in that in in the abridged um excerpt you know the excerpts right, that, yeah. that i read he's not very present because it ends up like being a discussion between these scientists and researchers that yeah. come from different places philosopher uh, too yeah and a philosopher it ends up going past the film pretty quickly which is unfortunate it's not as juicy as i was hoping um but um but it's cool to know that he was like you know yeah i made this film i'm, I'm, I'm willing to talk about that um even though, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I mean, it is interesting to see what the scientific community has represented by these few panelists. Um, might have been thinking, you know, uh, the the main one who seems to do a lot of speaking, Doctor Baltimore, is a cancer researcher at MIT, and he's basically like, I don't get what all the fuss is about. Basically, <laughs> you know, uh, this is how it's done. You know, he didn't really see animals being a, a moral cost uh you know the the actions in the film he's like people have been killing animals for you know people hunt animals people eat them for food you know so he he didn't get it. he didn't think that there was really an important issue raised by the film in that way um but it's cool with, to see that like you know i feel like we talk about this with um a lot of them is the the possibility for uh, multiple points of views. And I think, was it Marsh that, that was talking about like the elephant thing, you know, like, uh, you know, being like touching the elephant and describing what you're touching or whatever, uh, or describing what it is. Um, this like potential for, uh, various readings comes up or has come up since, you know, uh, to get follies. Um, and, within these like researchers you just you and and like professors um you see that happening with uh primate um which just goes to i i think speaks to wiseman's um process or you know his approach um which i think is is like in prime in, in primate the first time i i saw it i i liked it but i don't think i quite um grasp it in a way i did this time around but i think it, it's pretty uh eloquent in um mm. the way it goes about 
what it's doing we talk we we talk with Alyssa about it being like a, a more like visual uh, uh, approach to cinema like you know focusing more on the disciplined mise-en-scene um, and I think it it comes through in, in like subtle ways yeah I mean you know it it's a tough and interesting one because you know looking back on it before I revisited it up from just like the first time I saw it however many years ago um you know it what stuck with me is just you know it's very unpleasant right like uh-huh. there's a lot of gore and a lot of like difficult things to watch in it um but you know that was obviously still with me on this viewing but i just kept noting on like how much it was prompting me to just like think and consider different things while i was watching it and like how I I really appreciated in this film as much as like, I don't necessarily like enjoy it. Um, just like how active and like, uh, uh, unique and interesting and fun, just the experience of watching it is like as a viewer, just like all the things it brings up within you. Yeah. I think it's kind of a major film for Wiseman. Um, in a way that I I wasn't expecting. It's interesting. Like, you know, I think all the films are, that have come after Titty Cut Follies, you know, there's kind of like, all right, he made this one kind of extreme film and then like, you know, settled down, I guess, or like took that approach to, you know, less extreme uh, subjects or like, like there, if there, if you saw Titty Cut Follies and got like knocked on the head by a rock and woke up <laughs> uh, in 74 and then watched Primate, you would think, oh, th- of course, this <laughs> is the, the movie that that, that, the guy who made that movie made, right? Like, like, but it's interesting after all the films that have come in between that he can, you know, it's obviously, I think, a more mature film than Titty Cut Follies, but that he could kind of tap back into that well, I guess, or go back into that mode. And it's like, you know, this never left. This has been present through everything, this kind of uh, sharp, acerbic, Mm -hmm. uh, pointed sort of, uh, not critique, but like, just like, like, you know, unfettered, unmediated, access and presentation to something you're not going to see anywhere else or haven't seen before yeah which which reminds me i think somebody took um born i think it was born to task for um allowing him to come in right uh, yeah or just like he was like publicity hungry or something yeah they were like oh yeah blinded blinded him and he was like just too hungry for for publicity i was like dude did you see (laughs) (laughs) the seven films yeah this guy has done i mean i guess really aside from hospital no one's really come off great as far as the institutions no there's never a time you a Weissman film ends and you're like they're doing they're doing what they should be doing there really you know like so if you're familiar with his work like yeah you and we've talked about this is something Weissman has said right why does anybody let me in (laughs) (laughs) like like, because um for for exactly that reason some for some people it works like with City Hall like I mean I always come back to this but like I I have my own ideas about City Hall and a lot of other people have different ideas about City Hall. And yeah. for that mayor, like um, for a lot of people that think he comes off looking good, he probably feels great about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like 
I think you don't do it unless you yourself think you're doing good work and are confident in the work you're doing, right? Right. Like, like, and, and it's only with that outside perspective that you learn that maybe, you know, that's not necessarily the case. And maybe that's why Bourne was so adamantly vocal in his opposition to primate was just yeah. like, He's like, we, like nobody he, could he make took it, it personally yeah. you know right like like this is my life's work this is what i'm not like a butcher i'm not like some sadistic massacre of, of chimps like like i'm a researcher and a scientist and i'm benefiting society and to have that notion challenged i think is uh something he he had a lot of personal offense taken with yeah, I think he said something like, "I don't, I didn't think anyone could have made a film about Yerkes and and had us not come off looking good," which is exactly what the Follies guy said. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, what the hell do you think you were doing? Uh, it's very interesting, you know. Well, he did I think it again, though, it it speaks to like institutionalization, you mm-hmm. know, the theme For of sure. Weissman's and and how you just become removed, the f- more institutionalized you get and the more you perform these institutional acts, like, the more removed you are from mm-hmm. just, like, common experience of, like, holy fuck, I'm, like, holding a beating heart in my hands from this cut-open primate, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, what you just did there is... Uh, uh, a beautiful association of like the meta textual nature of primate which is like that's what this is this movie is about um observational workers who have removed their consciousness to i mean like they it ha, they have become like desensitized to the um to the very visceral uh things that they're doing to living animals to the point where they can go about their their daily job like i was kind of like almost interested or or like i was i was thinking about whether he would have shown like somebody coming into work uh and like see like this you know happy disposition like well i'm going to work i love what i do um (laughs) and like to to just show like that remove of like being like oh yeah you you just do this every day and so you no longer like you said it's institutionalized you no longer are like sensitized to the screams of this yeah. animal and there's an interesting thing too i mean like not to try and draw like too much from like people's appearances and stuff but like i think the researchers from the time and they're just kind of the way they their haircuts are or whatever like you get the sense that these are like maybe not naturalists, but like they're, they're kind of hippie scientists. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, it's like they're, you, you get the sense that they're probably more on the left end of the spectrum, at least relative to other institutional actors and, and other Weissman films and that they're like, they're, they're friendly, you know, they're like, they're like friendly chimp researchers yet the work they're asked to undertake, you know, I'm sure very few of them at least when they were you know doing their dissertations or whatever were like i'm gonna go and like cut open monkey skulls for the rest of my life right like that wasn't there just slowly become like exactly slicing open (laughs) yeah Yeah, right right this isn't nurse ratchet like yeah. (laughs) yeah 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 no that that exactly and like you know like 
you know, you start out maybe attaching an electrode to a box <laughs> on a capuchin's head and, and yeah, you end up like, just like slicing open, uh, their cavities and like, just like rifling through the contents. Right. Like, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I don't know. Um, the, the thing that's obviously difficult about it is the, uh, gray area around personhood and uh, the special relationship between humans and primates. Of you know, we are primates. Humans and right. non-human primates, as they're called in the scientific community. Yeah, in in, in the interview uh, that Thomas Atkins did uh, with Wiseman, he talked. He he. It's funny because the the interview takes on like more of like, did you read this? The uh, the Atkins one. No, yeah. I didn't. I'm, he 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 was like more talking to Wiseman about what his movie is, and Wiseman going, "Oh yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that." <laughs> um, but Atkins is you know saying like, um, "This is kind of like a lot of your motifs and themes up until this point are just like recurring yeah. in Primate." Um, he talks about having like a prison while well, opening up on like sort of these quote unquote mug shots of these old scientists mm-hmm. like law and order but um you have a prison you have like it guarded by authorities who are examining and and controlling aggressive and sexual behavior but all done under the guise of like it's good for mankind right um and like within that we have the struggle of like instinctive reactions of the individual for like their own individuality so you know throughout this movie i mean or at least you can see it that way you have these like chimps uh and different primates who are like seemingly like trying to achieve their own individuality um very physically right like which is to not be put like to not be put in this thing like this guy carries around like a trophy of this animal like strapped to uh this piece of glass or whatever it is um like here it's so much more explicit what the larger wiseman project is which um is this like tension between institutions and individuals and the individuals trying to to become themselves um and when you have like it's like a miniature uh and when you have an actual scientist trying to shove this little monkey into a thing or into a box or like baiting it with a banana until its head comes into the right spot where you can like shove it in um it's just just like like i said just like a very explicit like miniature of the larger project of uh control yeah i mean that that's interesting and it's like a almost a logical extreme uh yeah just the whole uh institutional question of like yeah yeah you i mean like like the same thing is happening in weissman's other films right Mm -hmm. it's just happening to people so it's not happening in such an extreme manner but this is like full institutionalization full uh or as complete uh stripping of individuality as can be achieved by institutions because like uh, the the chimps and uh, uh, orangutans and other um, monkeys, um, you know, they are nothing within the walls of Yerkes but uh, data and like opportunities yeah. for knowledge, right? They have no value independent of that. In fact, like, you know, let, let's get into just how like 
how much sex is happening in the first <laughs> half of this film but like like the the kind of what seems to be one of the main researchers that implies that like he says something like no, no males and females together we don't want them uh, doing things sexually when we don't when, when not we're not in a position to see it right yeah or to evaluate it right yeah. like yeah. like like there's no value in in just apes being apes and having relationships yeah. with one another if it's not being observed and recorded and like used for for their research purposes but yeah but, but like there's god i mean how much of the first half of the movie is literally just like jerking off monkeys and the the discussion of like well i think we should jerk off uh tony on tuesday <laughs> yeah, they're like they're like should we do it should, yeah john should like we've got frozen sperm We've got uh, John, which we can electroejaculate that day or the day before and get fresh there. That would be the safest uh, thing for the first incineration. <clears throat> the safest thing would be to get an ejaculate, use that fresh ejaculate, and transfer it into the animal. Because if for some reason or other we have problems in getting adequate volume, we can always go to the frozen sperm for backup. Yeah, if we could knock Flora down on Tuesday and on Wednesday, and uh, well, what would we use? Which uh, what day would we spot. use a natural? Use, uh, do we use fresh semen on Tuesday or Wednesday? Uh, I you'd be complicating it. I think you really need, ideally now, to use fresh semen both days. Both days. Otherwise, yes. you're just confusing the experiment. Sure. No, I think they're right, and I think the best procedure would be to ejaculate John on Tuesday and get a fresh semen sample that day and transfer it, and then ejaculate John on Wednesday and use fresh semen that day. Uh, eventually it's like well let's just do a tuesday and wednesday like like which what what it seems like happens every day it seems like they're jerking off a monkey every day which again like w during those discussions you don't see like they're not colored by empathy right like yeah. they're colored by like what is going to achieve the most results which i mean like these scientists i think are, are you know complicit but like there's also uh, a quota or whatever you know there's expectations yeah. to perform right Right, and and that's one of the times, one of the few times where you get some implication of the purposes or application of these experiments, and you learn that it's for some sort of in artificial insemination study that they're doing. They they talk about that in yeah. the meeting, mm -hmm. and you're like, well, artificial insemination at this point's been going on for like over a hundred years. Like, uh, you know, what? How, how much uh, good is jerking off all these monkeys and he's sticking electrodes to them like making them ejaculate by shocking them to the point of climax like yeah. like uh, honestly like it's just like do you, the back to the institutionalization like do you not just see this independently for what it is like what you're doing you're shocking a monkey until it comes and then you know right like like does that not give you some pause but i mean you know like call it drinking the kool-aid or whatever but like uh, back to what uh the director being so offended dr Bourne is just like you know they believe this is for society's best interests well you have to imagine like what are like a scientist like one of these guys coming home to like his <laughs> his 
wife or whatever and being like yeah you know oh how was your day good you know i think we're gonna uh, ejaculate john tomorrow uh oh frozen Fre- uh, fresh all right cool uh um, no, no i mean you like like you got a sense it's like you know at the end of the it's five o'clock it's quitting time it's like all right we made a lot of apes come today great job everybody wrap it up i'll see you tomorrow have a good night (laughs) yeah just clocking in clocking out but um but you also have to imagine like wiseman sort of like cracking a smile behind the boom mic like while these are happening you're just like oh you 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 get i i imagine him seeing like he looks at the camera it's like he's looking at his brain it's like you believe you believe in this shit you believe what these guys are saying right now like (laughs) he's like i just gotta keep it together uh act like this is normal (laughs) um (laughs) But I mean, uh, so one of the things that is in um, in Mamber's uh, journal that you mention later is he ends his primate journal with like this sort of uh, his own personal do's and don'ts of like how to watch um, right. yeah. Wiseman film, which I think that they're very cool to read. Um, I, I I think that that they're good for uh, especially somebody who might be um new to well, wiseman for adam name and students for adam name and students um <laughs> and, and and for adam name since he was asking um but uh but i think uh for people yeah people who are might maybe like um thinking of wiseman as like sort of this monolithic filmmaker that is like hard to tap into or something like that like yeah. i think that they give a certain certain uh relief or ease uh members notes do but one of the things he says is like um you know, it's it's okay to think something is really funny and really horrific at the same time, and yeah. uh, it makes sense that he would say that uh, that he would come up with this after Primate because that's like littered throughout. Um, For sure. And and like you know, the talk about the sex in this movie, or just like there's such like an overarching like awkwardness around sex mm-hmm. in this, and and a feeling that like we don't actually know how to talk about sex with comfort. And so you mm. see like Mamber notes, like the artificial insemination grant that you mentioned and just contextualizing it with like all these very official tools and rooms. And it's all something very natural. And it's like, that yeah. is funny. That that's, that's comedy, but it, it's also sad. Uh, oh yeah. I think about the, the grape juice, the guy, oh the guy with the like really long hair. Who's like, coaxing this one chimp to drink some grape juice so he could get it in position to jerk it off with like this plastic tube and like you gotta like i found myself just trying to put myself in that researcher's shoes <laughs> just like i you know I, I went to you know emory for this like you know like <laughs> jerking off a monkey but it's it's just like it's that that same dichotomy of like simultaneous humor and horror I think yeah. where it's just like this is inherently absurdist and like funny in its ridiculousness, but it's also just like Jesus, the life both of these people have. You know, the the ch- the, the monkey and the researcher is just like every day, like that, like it it is a horror. Movie. It's like what was that one? Don't breathe with the incubator, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like it's the same yeah. shit. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and you know we get to the anticlimactic. Uh, that's that was uh, that was kind of interesting uh, thing later in the second half of this episode. But that is the ultimate like punchline, like yeah. to do just horrific acts. But um, but while we're talking about sex uh, in this, I think one scene that we haven't talked about 
is the caged like sex stimulus testing which i think is a key scene and one that i had forgotten about from last viewing um for one it looks like a circus routine like he shoots Mm -hmm. like the whole glass window and these uh three uh primates who are just like running around and two of them are like trying to mate but they're like doing something right like they're turning on some sort of stimulus on and off right Um, right and it cranking showed, it up and down. Yeah, yeah. We'll be stimulating VJ medial to his good attack point at A21 left lateral 3. This will be track 1A on channel 4 at 21 left lateral 1. And 2A at A22 left lateral, right lateral 1. On. Virgos, he attacks the proximal one now. He, uh, Stops and he goes back to Virgo. So the rear grab. Now he's crouching. Off. Well, I don't know what's what's turning these, these females. It's 0.25. Yeah, it's, but Virgo is is really attacking uh, uh, Rebecca at this point. And it's uh, 0.3, one millisecond, track three. Three stimulus. On. Continues to sit, then mounts, thrust, choose the whole time. No, stimulus off, 0.25. It always looks like he's going to ejaculate when he does it. And they're counting it, and um, and it shows like this very, it shows a distinction between observation and regulation like Mm, with with the stimulus being used. Um, That's a very clear line of like, we're not just interested in their natural habitat. We're interested in like what information we can get when we can control them. Yeah. And, and I think that's what Weissman expresses his chief concern with what's happening here is, is yeah. not so much, you know, the, the research in and of itself, but it's p- potential for like social control, um, uh, regulating behavior through stimuli, like, um, uh, but to, to what we were just discussing uh, in reality fictions, Anderson and Benson say the film ex- invites us to experience horrified comic rage. And I think like that, you know, really just encapsulates it. Yeah. It's like, like you're, you're, that's, that's the emotion that you are carrying oh, throughout God. this a hundred minutes. Right. I, like, I, I was, I was like laughing out loud at times and it's oh, like it's sadistic so and yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's a, it's it's a strange magic that that he uh, creates with this film. Um, yeah, and I mean there is it's interesting too. We talked in the first episode with Follies about like that sort of mondo thing, and mm-hmm. I think the potential for that is way more present in Primate. Yet it doesn't really have that uh, reputation in the same way. I think, which is I interesting. And, and part of that is something I I keep forgetting to talk about, but just the aesthetics of this film which I know I talked about when we did uh, a scene with Labuza, is that <clears throat> this movie came out in 1974. It looks like it came from, like, 1964. Yeah. Um, like, the, the quality is, like, low in terms of, like, video quality or whatever, film quality. Um, and it's just very cheaply done, and it's black and white, obviously. Um, and it gives it this suspended-in-time quality. Uh, like it definitely doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it's 1974, which I wonder how that plays. I haven't really thought about this until now, but I wonder how that plays with like uh, at the time of feeling like it was not contemporary 
Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's interesting, and it makes me think and wonder, like, maybe that was part of ev- everyone on all sides issues that the film brought up um, yeah. for for audiences that were lay people that were enraged, you know, by the practices they saw, you know, that look, I think, might have signified for them sort of like educational films they saw in school that are, you know, not necessarily so aesthetically or narratively concerned, but are just there to present information, right? Mm-hmm. And they took that information at face value and and decided that, you know, this was a horrible thing that was happening. And uh, likewise for the scientists who, uh, for the same reasons, you know, the style of the filmmaking is very, you know, raw and direct. And like, like, so the connotation is that like, this is an informational, educational, scientific thing, which is also not the case. You know, this is a film, this is a construction and a work of art. Um, uh, But the way that it's presented in that way connotes like this authority that i think may have ultimately like betrayed uh the film to some degree in its reception yeah it's one of those things that's obviously hard to do anything other than you know like have some conjecture about or like guess what how that affected um but it certainly is interesting to think think about and it should be uh for contemporary viewers should be thought about uh the fact that he is presenting these films within this period as films that look much earlier than they actually are. Definitely, yeah. I mean, we've we talked about how most of his contemporaries uh, in American Verite were, were making color films, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that were uh, generally much more narrative-oriented uh, than Weissman. So, like... Um, it plays yeah. into... Like, yeah. Mamber kind of, like, talks about... Um, how it feels like he's talking about all of the intertextualities this has with the films that came before it. And uh, he mentions hospital, which is a logical thing. Like uh, I think about the opening of, yeah, yeah, I think about the opening of hospital, which, you know, first, one of the first scenes is like cutting open, um, which is not so horrifying then because you assume at a hospital it's being done for somebody's well-being. Um, Right. And he calls this like a nightmare version of hospital, which I think totally, is is, yeah. is good and kind of goes to that horror film uh, thing that we talk about later with Alyssa, like all of the all of the ways that this relates to horror. And I think another part of that I was I was just talking about um, on a different podcast about um, Rob Zombie's horror films actually, and mm. this like the uh, how integral it is to good horror that you feel like the filmmaker will go anywhere like mm-hmm. that you feel unsafe um that's true yeah and wiseman is the same way like um you 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 will see if you watch like two or three wiseman films most likely you will have seen something and go oh like <laughs> he might show a dog with a tail cut off that's just like bleeding yeah. <laughs> like every right um you don't know what you're going to see. And I think that that works in Primate's favor of just being like, I don't know what I'm going to see. And, you know, he delivers on that promise. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> and then some. I mean, because as we talk about, there's like no common frame of reference for what happens here. 
like like this will be most people's introduction to like primate research right. you know and like you it's something you assume is always going on but you don't really think about it it's not like you know a topic uh of discussion yet you as you mentioned this research center exists to this day and has been doing work in the interim uh, uh, since the film was made so it's like you know uh, a constant thing that um, uh, we have continued to enable, I guess, through our tax dollars. Yeah. Uh, well, we haven't talked about the title yet, which is primate. <laughs> uh, right. I, I, we've talked in the past about ways that titles can mean various things, whether it's, you know, law and order uh, is playing with uh, something in the zeitgeist at that point. Um, what do we talk about? Basic training um sure i yeah. mean a scene just a being scene. very vague um yeah yeah and and primate is a, a good example so but like the first time i saw primate uh i thought like the title was perhaps an attempt to like recenter the conversation around animals which i think rather than the researchers which i, I think is still like a valid read but i think this time more i come around to it being like also this ironic stab at, at for sure. researchers which uh wiseman bears out uh in multiple scenes um in ways that are often very funny um like yeah. one of the, one of the small examples that we haven't talked about in this opening scene of these two men talking about you know we don't want them to be sexual when we're not watching multiple people have talked about how uh hairy these men are <laughs> and, and and how like that seems to probably be like in terms of like this this scene's position in the film Wiseman yeah. being like very knowingly being like here's these very hairy men talking, <laughs> yeah. like talking as if they're so extracted from like primates lineage but yeah yeah i mean um i think that's definitely something Wiseman's doing with the title here um and it's it's I guess more so primates and humans within that category is like we have this term right non-human primate for everyone that's being uh, operated and researched and observed here um, but it's like one primate's dominion over the rest of the primates and how one one mm -hmm. primate mm -hmm. has othered everyone else or other themselves away from all the other ones uh in order to like justify and rationalize dominion over them and they could do whatever yeah. they want over them um one one, one one has given themselves license to do whatever they yeah. want with the rest of them yeah exactly and one uh talk a little bit later about some some other films that this reminded me of but one i didn't mention um is a uh, fantastic planet the uh Rene Leloup animated film um which is all about like these giant aliens that have these human looking uh creatures as their pets essentially and like you know the uh, ohms and trogs and like the trogs are the humans and they're like you know 
to to us the viewer you know essentially humans basically uh, and have all the same qualities so it's like when you have these giant alien figures uh who in in this case would be analogous to the researchers you know essentially deciding that this other class uh is different from them uh in such a way that they can treat them however they want um that naturally has like some very like negative issues associated with it well i'm glad you brought up i'm glad you brought that film up not that i was thinking about it but just the fact that like we haven't talked about how uh wiseman talks about this film as science fiction like it's a sci-fi right, film. yeah um which you know it is i mean he considers all of his films like fiction um and this very much has to do with science but um that kind of like leads me to think about the very last scene which we also haven't For talked sure. about yet um uh which is like this cutting back and forth of <clears throat> this like radar screen this like that has like targets on this this like u.s air force plane that it, that is cutting back and forth between that and um this television prompter of a monkey that is on the flight that is like strapped in um, to a box to a box um and it's going somewhere well it's 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 interesting it's kind of there's like three things we keep seeing it's um the inside of the plane with the box and the researchers it's the screen of the monkey inside the box and then it's also this third screen of the plane uh like like a camera on the ground like in the radar and then we see the plane do a free fall essentially and it we you know it's discussed earlier there's a conversation about this experiment and it's a zero gravity plane but these these flight experiments will are planned to incorporate more than just the zero g parabolas they will also incorporate partial g parabolas so that we'll have one sixth so you'll start spinning and, him and sooner. One, no, no, no. It's just a different flight pattern. Oh. But instead of getting zero gravity, we'll have one-sixth gravity or one-third gravity mimicking lunar or Mars gravity so that we can have one G, one-third, one-sixth, zero G, and we can fill in graded... But so, so, but so you'll spin him three, four times, one we'll for each spin, gravity. Yeah, right, oh. right. Several times. Uh, and the other variable that we're looking at is... Uh, turning the lights on inside his shroud or turning them off so that he has or has not uh, visual references. All right, what, now what happens when each time they, the, this is the various yeah. gravities, they tell you when you're at it now? Oh yeah, no, it's all planned ahead of time. From the Air Force. Um, which also is just really funny to think about Weissman and Brain floating around in there. <laughs> I bet that was a f- kind of fun for them. Um, but <laughs> almost <laughs> like, as fun as Mary J. Blige. <laughs> but like, um, you know, even you know the thing that this film gets knocks from from the scientific community is the lack of context, and it's like even with the context of the description of this experiment beforehand and even with the preparation they're they're figuring out the position of this monkey in the box and how it looks and turning on the camera and all these things like and this comes shortly after to that that like meeting scene about the justification for this kind of research Mm -hmm. it's like even with all that 
this still seems among the most like absurd episodes of like we're just watching this monkey sitting in a box in a zero gravity plane yeah. and, and he just like kind of has this like non plus expression on his face this oh, whole God. time like i don't know what's going on but whatever <laughs> like you know but like it is this like completely like surreal like you know it's it's like a zero grav plane it's like a spaceship you know like uh so like yeah the science fiction label is is totally apt yeah a lot of the character of this film like has played up with like the faces of the chimps in this scene in particular but like whenever they're put in a box and it's just kind of like um very animated but uh the second to last thing you see because the last image is of the the plane on the radar the second to last thing you see is the the chip like sticking its tongue out (laughs) it's like (laughs) again like it's just like the perfect ending of like i talk later about like the many like cosmic jokes and this film is just full of cosmic jokes um and uh yeah i don't know i i've come come around from thinking that this was a good movie to it being like a very major work for Wiseman. Um, mm. So I, I'm I'm happy uh, that uh, I got to do this podcast about it to to really like uh, bring out a lot of the things that are going on in this because it's it, it, you know it's dense. Like I said, it's just like yeah. this very interesting miniature more than anything else uh, of this larger project done, and, and the way that he pulls that off is uh, pretty brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um... And everything that is in Weissman, I guess, uh, relating to the Atkins piece up to this point is like is present in this film and like very like competently realized. People talk about like his evolution as an editor, Brain's evolution as a cinematographer. Like it all seems to be really gelling, uh, and and maybe to to climax in the next film, right? yeah, With welfare, you know, like like which um, is like the exact opposite. It's the non-controlled. Um, so I'm excited to see that sort of like the evolution between these things in these two very different environments, but like with a film that, you know, like most people think of as the Wiseman masterpiece. For sure. Yeah. But I mean, just, just talking about the ending again, I mean, what, what's your read on it given like, uh, within the pantheon of endings we've seen so far and like, just kind of like, you know, these exclamation points that he sometimes likes to do. Like, do you see it like that? Do you see it as something a a bit more subtle? Like it it feels kind of more open-ended to me than, than some of those other ones. I agree. I think that open-ended is a good way to put it. Um, because it's like, you know, it's not like, it's not like the monkeys like winking into the camera and sticking his tongue out. <laughs> going, ah, you know, it's 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 he's implying like you know he's suggesting Wiseman is suggesting that there is um, you know he it's almost like he's giving agency to this primate like this is the last uh, you know you don't see a person like last you see uh, one of the primates last um, right. and doing this this like playful thing while it's just being like experimented on in circus and it's also like okay what is the application for zero gravity like (laughs) it's 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 so ridiculous which i i think i i really like when wiseman taps into that sort of like ridiculousness um and I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it. I think it fits up there, but you know, it's not quite. You know, I'm just a body doing a job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But but not in a way that I think is negative. You know, it, it no, speaks no. To, the, to his growth. 
Yeah, it, I mean, I think it's interesting too that it's an image of a screen of like the mm-hmm. monkey on the screen and like I guess you know looking at this metatextually like like uh, a screen on a screen um, you know monkey like twice or maybe even thrice mediated mm-hmm. um, uh, and his uh, like like the monkey as Weisman I guess sticking his tongue out yeah, to the viewer yeah. to some degree you know like like all right figure you deal with this one now <laughs> like yeah um, yeah <laughs> yeah I mean uh, I think what's fruitful about our conversation with Alyssa is this idea of being like um one of the one of the many things that's for full is like is is like watching this movie and be like what do you think about this relationship <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> um ball, yeah balls in your court and yeah. like like you know i it, it is kind of interesting that We've both talked about this being one that's really fruitful for repeat viewings, but probably the one nobody wants to nobody, watch twice, yeah, no. you know? So, Which is so, exactly why I'm, yeah. I'm happy to have this exercise, because otherwise I wouldn't have, you know? like Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. But I think also maybe accounts for its, like, diminished reputation uh, within the canon, right? Because, yeah. like, nobody does want to revisit this yeah. one and reconsider it and continue to think about it, because, like, objectively objectively it is like just like you know again talking about how the researchers become institutionalized and like removed from the objective realities like us as viewers can do the same uh watching this film happen over and over again and like just become removed from how unpleasant it it objectively is to to experience um but the more you watch it the less unpleasant it gets and the more fruitful your viewing becomes. So it's, yeah, Yeah. it it, it is an interesting thing. Yeah. um, There is, it might not be the tidiest of, of things to say, but like one of the things we didn't mention is like the, he has this very interesting shot that, uh, that stuck with me the first time I watched this of the janitorial crew. Yeah. um, Working in the hall. There was the uh, the guy who just had like the three chimps hanging off of mm-hmm, him, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, eventually goes back to put him in the cages. But I'm like, God, if I had to be anyone here, I just want to be this guy, just yeah. walking down the halls with monkeys hanging <laughs> off me. But we get this guy just like sweeping the floor, and it's like this Brisonian, uh hold or like this mm-hmm. Ozu esque like hold on like a corridor after the action has passed, where you're just like. It gives you just enough time to like not be so self-conscious uh like to not think he's being so self-conscious but just being like what am i watching here i'm just watching mm-hmm. a guy sweeping a floor and how does that relate to the rest of the film yeah, sounds like twin peaks uh... <laughs> yeah yeah i mean <laughs> but like i i don't know exactly what to do with it because it's this film doesn't have quite that like rhythm that we've talked about in the mm-hmm. past that will definitely get there yeah. um like it's not as interested in that rhythm yeah it's like we have talked about those kind of like interstitial mm-hmm. moments that um I th- there was one here that i noted that was just kind of like a montage of of apes and their faces that kind of you know comes after a litany of like experiments happening and it just gives us an opportunity to like recenter and consider and like have like a bit more of a contemplative moment um but 
otherwise it's just yeah this this movie like yeah it, it really is unique i guess in just like it's rhythm or or it, it's fast right like we talk about the shot length and the cutting mm-hmm. like like but just uh in terms of the mosaic of it right like like things just happen and then another thing happens and it just keeps going and going and it it like it never seems to really end you know throughout yeah. the film we get we got a few moments of dialogue we talked about like the silent film thing um and the relative lack of dialogue compared to his other films and it's just like like uh the you it's not so easily digestible in these like scenes and chunks um like say you know like the psychologist and and the sex worker in hospital you know like like we have these encapsulated moments like like it it, it is there because we do have scenes of you know whole things happening start to end but like it there's something about it that doesn't feel the same like the scenes just kind of go into the next one without Mm -hmm. like having kind of like a satisfying conclusion i guess yeah yeah and we we get like so the big vivisection scene and like uh brain scene was is like 23 minutes i believe which um is kind of you know recalls juvenile courts like 35 minute scene that kind of caps that film um this comes at the end of this one um so we have sort of that kind of playing around like leaving this big chunky scene but but it's not done in uh long takes like this film has like a third of the shot length of follies and half the shot length approximately of high school and hospital um and i'm interested in where he goes from here like is this just sort of like this what you're talking about this rhythm of the editing um is this just sort of a one-off um i think the scenes get pretty long in 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 welfare if i recall um and that seems to be to be like where he goes at least in the distant future i don't know if he ever comes back to to quite this like rapid fire editing it'll be interesting yeah i mean not not off the top of my head but it's definitely something we should uh keep track of but i i, wonder I wouldn't be surprised also... if it's just like particular to this like sort of caged aesthetic that he's, well, he's and there's that which you know kind of recalls like a prison film but there's also just the nature of the subject is like we're not able to necessarily tell you know what monkey or ape uh is from one scene to the next we might see some repeated oh yeah cases you know i i know i guess in the case of like the zero gravity uh spider monkey in the box like we see him earlier on and then at the end um but otherwise you know we we're not able to follow so much and like we see the same people come up and say hospital is certainly a scene um uh just to have that continuity i mm-hmm. think it it, it makes it makes it much more of like a litany of oh, yeah. things happening. Right, right. That's a good point. Gosh, they're so cute, though. Some, Some of them really are. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you really feel for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, uh, I guess we talk about it a little later, but I know, I know uh, you're a Coco guy. Um, and like how uh, with that research, with like, Jane Goodall's research more quote unquote like feel good I mean do did you find uh your notion of primate research and like it's like warrant to exist at all impacted by um 
this film personally yes um but only in the way that like i don't like that only in the way that i think that this film probably serves for a lot of people which is i don't think about primate research right (laughs) yeah yeah right um but i found myself impacted like i i find it hard to watch this especially the second time and be clinical about it like Mm -hmm. i i think uh it i mean to me it just comes down to like even this like the third scene i think so after we see these two scientists like talking about the sex of like uh like watching the sex of the apes and and all the positions and stuff um and then you see this like hanging test um just being like oh it like it should be doing this somewhere else uh it's mm-hmm. hard to escape for me like it shouldn't be trying to hang on this this like uh, right. fabricated thing um right. and that is like you know extended throughout the film in various sequences um yeah i i i you know it, it uh am i gonna be a vegetarian maybe yes I am. <laughs> um, no, I'm saving you're, that for you're me. eating a lot I'm of monkeys so... before. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I mean, it does like make me think like, I mean, the thing is with primate is like, oh, these are so smart. Like, that's usually the rationale yeah. for like not doing it is like they're so smart. But it's like if my personal rationale is like they're so cute and they should be able to do whatever they want to do like in that nature you know it's yeah, like yeah. that doesn't make them different from like the dumb animals <laughs> true true yeah yeah i mean you know uh just how, how much knowledge do we need don't we, we, <laughs> right. we know we know a lot already right <laughs> like like i don't know but um I guess that dovetails ugly animals in a, can suffer. <laughs> like, do those tests on the ugly animals. Um, what is that one mole with the weird exploded nose? It's <laughs> a weirdo. Um, the, the kind of dovetails though into something uh, else I wanted to talk about here, which I think some people could read into uh, in different ways. But this may be the first film without of uh, in Weissman's uh, work without any scene dealing with christianity or religion and uh, vietnam doesn't seem to either pop up right and which one vietnam doesn't pop up in this either oh right right which i guess it had been over for a little bit or or, but yeah it doesn't it doesn't come up it doesn't linger yeah yeah but but um i guess maybe due to just you know the science uh verse religion thing right it's like like there's no space for religion in right. this institution you know so weissman always says he he films what he sees and that's what he presents in his film so i'm sure they just didn't see it because you know it's it's strictly science um that the same thing uh i didn't note it last time uh for juvenile court but that may have been the first film without like some kind of song or music in Mm -hmm. it and that uh definitely happens again here there's no no music at the yerkes primary research center it's interesting though to think just like sort of tangentially like that you mentioned juvenile court and thinking about the echoes of that film onto this which like you know the film ends with a child being like 
uh, I forget exactly what he says, but you know, like it's it's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah, and it's a trap, and you know, m- you know, more largely like where's this, my this, say yeah. in this? And... Yeah, isn't there any justice for me? <laughs> the way he says that in like that southern accent. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so. Yeah, like isn't there any justice in this for me? Like it it rings throughout this movie for people who can't Mm -hmm. speak or, you know, for beings that can't speak for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, it's kind of horrifying to think about it in those terms, but, (laughs) but but there you get to see like, like someone who actually can articulate exactly what they're saying to us in terms that we understand. um, Right. Undergoing the same thing. Which I guess maybe contributes to, an audience whether or not they've seen Reisman's previous films but uh, their uh, readiness to project emotion onto the faces of the apes right like and and you know uh, really situate themselves with them as we talk about and like hell no I don't want someone you know jerking me off and sticking a needle in my skull and like cutting me open right I was thinking it would create some really weird Pavlovian responses to grape <laughs> grape juice for that one. Aim. Yeah. But, but, um, yeah, you know, no, like, sure. like, like, so, so naturally I don't think these guys want it either. Right. Like, like, yeah. and, and so how can you not think that, uh, throughout this film is like, and I'm sure is the case. I'm sure they don't want any of this stuff to be happening, but there's no way to vocalize it, which again, when I was revisiting Coco was just something I thought about and kind of horrifying, you know, even in the moments where Coco is expressing that she's sad, right? Like if, if any of the research subjects had that capacity to express sadness, they'd probably be doing it constantly, right? And, and it would just add to the horror of uh of the whole enterprise yeah so so goodall's like the only superstar ethical primatologist she's uh except for that plague she caused but otherwise yeah i mean that 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 that's what i came away with is it if you're going to be doing primate research the the only ethical and and probably like most uh um, just helpful way to do it is in the wild, right? Like, like just uh, long-term embedded observation, like Jane Goodall did. Um, Bring your husband along, and he can make beautiful <laughs> films. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, um, I do love Jane. Uh, it's well documented that I love that film. Um, but like, like you know, behaviorally, what what are you gleaning from all this fucking and like a cage cell you know like like uh the stimuli that encourages like sexual stimulation or ejaculation it's like like how how do you not see yourself as like a mad scientist at that point yeah yeah, like, yeah. yeah. uh yeah well that's primate <clears throat> good good movie good movie um <laughs> And you know, I'm excited to see where it takes us into the uh, to the uh, very gleeful <laughs> two and a half hour uh, welfare. <laughs> that we'll be yeah. talking about. Um, no welfare, the great 
great welfare uh will be coming up next uh honestly like what a what a guy what a filmmaker like yeah. what a body of work like it's uh i know right? it's insane someone, so someone should do like a <laughs> podcast series <laughs> um, um yeah yeah i uh i look forward to revisiting that um uh, great film and um more people be it people in cambridge or uh people in Atlanta, georgia should email us at wisemanpodcast at gmail.com uh you can tell us that uh listening to the podcast is great you can disagree with us you can ask for access to things uh whatever uh you want to do uh we're available um and other than that arlen do you have anything to take care of uh that's not a euphemism for anything <laughs> just just uh, drink just take the grape juice <laughs> it's it's welch's it's your favorite Ooh. brand <laughs> man yeah horrifying all right well um, enjoy our conversation oh. with with Alyssa heflin yeah um, it's really good yes. i appreciate uh Alyssa joining us yes me too uh and we'll see you next time bye Welcome back to Wiseman Podcast. We are here with our special guest, Alyssa Heflin. Um, Alyssa is a uh, an archivist and um, a just general Wiseman head in Chicago. Thanks for joining us, Alyssa. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. I very much enjoy getting the chance to get on and talk about one of my favorite directors. So, uh, how did that come about? Like, how how did you uh, become interested in Wiseman? Oh my gosh. I mean, mostly I would say for similarly to a lot of people, um, one of the big reasons I found out about him was through Twitter because I took a lot of, I took some documentary classes uh, when I went to my undergraduate in DePaul and um, he never really came up. We talked about like other observational filmmakers like the Maisels and stuff, but I didn't know who he was until I got on Twitter and I saw people talking about him. The big moment when I first like became really aware of him was when the like the canopy drop happened and I was on Twitter and so people were like hey um this is a great filmmaker and all of his movies are on canopy um I didn't have access to canopy at the time so it was very sort of aspirational he became like this aspirational figure in my mind where I was like someday I'm going to be able to watch these movies um and then I didn't actually watch them for the first time until I um moved to Rochester where I did have access to Canopy and I was able to check them out a little bit more. Um, and I was very enticed by them because like I've done, I've tried to explain his appeal to people who aren't like into film, like just like, and I do, they're always just like, wow, that doesn't sound very interesting. And I know it's because <laughs> I'm doing a horrible job of explaining it. Like, because yeah. they just like, have this like immediate and direct appeal a little bit like just a, a basic surface level level appeal that really sort of grabbed me like when I was just browsing on canopy and you just see all these like different topics and you can kind yeah. of just pursue anything that you're even like mildly interested in and then of course when you do watch them you just it, they're incredibly rich detailed texts um and so the 
moment I didn't become like a really big fan of him actually when I first watched him I did sort of a couple scattered ones um I think welfare and hospital were two I watched sort of in succession welfare was the first one I saw um so I sort of jumped somewhat into the deep end um (laughs) uh and then I have trouble saying focused on directors like that so he sort of faded away especially when you have access to them and you don't have to worry about that access going away like I was in college for a couple years and I was like oh I'll have time to watch these and then of course time passed and um as time went on and I got closer to graduation, I was like, I need to watch more of these because I'm not going to have access to them soon. And I remember it being, I was visiting Chicago and coming back from it. I was taking an Amtrak back. And, you know, I had like five or six hours to kill on that Amtrak and I had Wi-Fi, So I did the natural thing you do after, you know, visiting a city you love, full of people you love, mm-hmm. is that I uh, booted up Canopy and watched his film about uh, his film Near Death. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> his seven-hour his seven movie about um, uh, uh, euthanizing like people that are why, sort of beyond saving. Um, partially because I had all that time to kill and I was like, well, this is the longest one. So <laughs> I might as well watch it now and then it'll just be smooth sailing the rest of the time. Like, I'm like, it only gets shorter from here. Like, cause that's one of the main things like when I had that very like surface level understanding of him was that he made really long movies. Um, of course, like you watch more of them and like obviously the later ones are very long but then you get that early point, like this is like two hours, like less than two hours long, like yeah. primate. So, um, but yeah, so that's sort of what I went with. And once I finished that, like, uh, obviously it was a very, it's a tough watch. Like it's not, that one's not easy, but um, I was just very grabbed by just sort of the richness and the details of, and it feels weird to say about a documentary, but like just of the characters, frankly, like all the, like obviously in Wiseman movies, there's often like these characters or these acts, storylines that you sort of end up like being able to appreciate at like a certain depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, I just, I just dove in and watched a bunch of the other ones because also that was, I think about three days before lockdown for the pandemic dropped. So I was like, well, now I have nothing to do. So I have literally no reason not to not to watch a lot of these films. And so I just dove in. And nice. yeah, so that's sort of my history with Wiseman, I would say. Yeah, the 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 canopy drop thing it was like I remember it very clearly. It was like an exciting time because like I was familiar with Wiseman, but yeah, but I was still like yeah, and I, I wasn't like a um I didn't know very much about him, like very cursory understanding and i remember like carl garcia's like list of all of them came out and i was like oh wow this is great like there's just so much to explore um yeah i think i think when the drop came i I, it warranted one of my uh three alarm emoji tweets you know like Like, even as someone who like didn't really obviously like like i said didn't really know a ton about wiseman like it the sort of reaction to it in the general yeah. like culture like had that kind of gravity like hey you can watch all of like because that was also part of it like it's all of them like except for yeah. i think like, except for like seraphita's diary and the garden yeah, right, like yeah. which is not released yet yeah. um it's like all of them basically yeah so it had this big gravity like yeah it had this very like okay this is special um thing 
yeah and then to have because like i said like our library didn't have access to canopy this was also the first time i even remember hearing what canopy was mm -hmm. um and so i yeah. had sort of this emotional experience that was akin to <laughs> Um, like a child wanting something for Christmas and like going down to <laughs> and then not getting it. And then like, cause I just, I, I came to Canopy and they were like, all right, uh, enter your library. And they were like, oh, you don't have it, huh? Like, yeah. <laughs> it was like, cool. Like, I can't do anything about that. Um, but yeah, so that was a big deal. That was a really big deal. Yeah. Um, so you had seen Primate before. Yes, I had. That was one of the ones that I um, watched during that sort of pandemic, like just spree yeah. of watching a bunch of them. Right. And I remember being really sort of drawn to it, like on a conceptual level, just because a lot of Wiseman films, especially a lot of ones that come immediately before Primate, like that sort of early era, have these sort of basic characteristics where they're institutions where you very much understand the ways that they intersect with like your day-to-day -day life like even if you're mm. never going like even if you've never been to like you're never going to enroll in like join the military but you know you understand like how that affects your life and you understand like schools and even Titicut Follies to a personal extent but yeah. like the idea of like him then making a movie about a primatology research center was like well I don't know what they do there. Like, I can't yeah. say before, like, I was big into primatology outside of, like, a sort of, like, interest in elementary school about, anim like, about apes, where I, of course, then knew things about, like, Jane Goodall and stuff, but, like, not, like, that base level, like, testing environment. So that right. was sort of how I came away from it. And I, it's... A dis I think the word I would use to describe it is that it's a very disquieting film. Like, it's very easy to sort of, like, get a very big remo emotional reaction, but mostly watching it, I just found it very, like, kind of existential and uncomfortable to watch, more so than, like, grotesque, which is, I think, not really how a lot of people feel about it, um, as we'll t probably talk about later. But, um, yeah, and it sort of stuck with me in a way that I can't say a lot of documentaries like that have because of course i've seen you know documentaries that could be read as like even other wiseman documentaries that you could argue are like polemical or something right, right. Titicut follies i had seen Titicut follies before i'd seen primate um which it, it helps actually yeah yeah a lot of context. Sure. Yeah. yeah um yeah, but yeah that's of, kind of yeah connections and, between the two yeah and then when you invited me i was like well, obviously, I want to talk about primate. Um. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was I was I was happy to hear that because, um, uh, not to get uh, too much into how the sausage is made, which is probably what we'll see in the film Meat. Um, but uh, like, there are some movies that people don't want <laughs> to talk about. That like people, they're they're like. You know, yes, I want to be on the podcast. No, I do not want to talk about that movie. And, and I, I think like Primate might have been one of those um, stuff like me. And I'm sure we'll we'll get to more of those uh, as we go along too. Like I don't know, I don't know who wants to talk about near death, but we'll find out. <laughs> but but yeah, so I'm very happy that that you were you were uh, cho you chose that one, and I mean. I had seen this almost exactly a year ago um, for the first time, uh, which is strange, but it also makes sense because I was 
like you know in in october i tried to watch uh horror movies uh for the majority of the month and i think i was looking for the one that would kind of like fit in there even if it was a little like like shoehorned in and watching it this time i was kind of like even more struck by how by resemblances to horror uh that i didn't pick up on the first time that i i think are uh quite poignant um but yeah i remember i remember you asking you throughout the question like like which weissman would be most considered horror and i'm i think it was my answer was primate because like you know naturally (laughs) um but yeah you know the like divested from anything that's happening in the film or the context like just some of the imagery you know i mean and it's easy to say yeah you know animals getting cut open uh uh, is pretty horrific but i mean even more subtle things like Mm -hmm. there's a moment of uh, a box that we know has an ape in it just kind of like gently wiggling back and forth you know or like that one shot we get of um I don't know who he is, like a some kind of assistant, but like walking down the hallway with a bunch of bananas and this like yeah. curved blade, yeah. you it's know, like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. you know, like talk talk about like carrot and the stick, you know, like bl- blade and the banana here, like just like what is this for? What's about to happen? Uh, from you know the the juxtaposition of these two things is like, you know, that's just like straight up like yeah, like Halloween horror type stuff. Yeah. Like, I think it also, like, a big part of it, because a lot of the movie, um, when it's not getting into the more gruesome details, is partially kind of just about restraint. Like, and I think there's this, like, horror, this immediate sort of, like, visceral fear in considering, like, this idea of your body being sort of taken out of your control. And even, like, like the shot, I always think of the yeah. shot of sort of in the first third where the monkey's being, like taken out and like its hands are like its arms are pinned behind its back and he's got his hand like clenching its throat really hard and just like or the moment where one of the monkeys is being taken out of the cage and he's just clinging he's like clinging to the uh to like the out to like the door and the door sort of like swings open and he's still grabbing it like there's a lot of like immediate fear in this idea that like of being vulnerable to other people in that fashion um and like the glass yeah. box like the glass box that monkey gets shamed in like just on a yeah. like freaks me out so much i'm not claustrophobic but like the idea of being put in something like that is like very makes me very like makes my skin crawl a little bit yeah i think yeah. i think too when you see those smaller monkeys like the spider monkeys or the capuchins or whatever you just know it's about to get like really wrong there's something about like the way those animals look like relative to the the chimps and the orangutans for instance where it's like i think there's there's i don't know if it comes from this movie but there's like a a cultural signifier that like you know messed up scientific stuff happens to animals that look like this you know yeah like the little like, like the little yeah, ones like, yeah exactly i don't know why it's always like small animals that it happens to but like there is sort of like this sort of like what you come to understand about the environment is that like the sort of the, like the capuchin monkeys and the spider monkeys are like the ones that really get messed up because yeah. they are in that hierarchy i guess of monkeys that you see like probably the most animalistic i would say like they're not like a chimp or a gorilla which like you you feel very human like it's an animal still and yet it has like such specific like those huge eyes and stuff and they're very small head like 
it's still horrifying to see like yeah. what happens to them for sure um Arlen, i'm glad you brought up that like bo- that moving box because yeah. that that was something that like there's a lot of literature around this film and um uh a lot of very useful uh literature but i don't remember reading uh someone pick up on that but it is a, a pretty like startling moment um that does play on horror tropes really well um i was thinking about like there's the like larger uh monkey or ape that like they shave its stomach and like mm-hmm. put like a thing on its mouth and it's yeah. just making these like really sad sounds when it's like i think unconscious and then they like take it to his cage to its cage and then like uh before the guard like closes the guard using prison image yeah. i mean it's fair because it also yeah. is yeah. very much shot like a prison right. film which we'll get into probably yeah uh but like before he closes the the gate like you see this like ghastly close-up of it like kind of like come coming back to like cognizance and it has like just this like lifeless like squeal that you would see in like an old universal horror film of like this monster that you're empathizing with that uh just is no longer uh you know it doesn't have anything else to live with and and i found it very uh very touching and sad yeah the part of it that makes me think of like the universal horror vibe is and this came up in some of the literature but the moment where it's the shot sort of of the back of like the orangutan who's like partially shaved and like the camera really focuses and holds yeah. on like the shaved part of it because the shaved part of it does look very human mm-hmm. and you see his back kind of like shuddering and nobody he's yeah. very clearly like to the audience it's very clear that he's this and he, he's almost and, hugging the researcher yeah he's like too, trying to right? hug the yeah, researcher like, kind yeah. of for obviously probably for some form of comfort and the researcher is doing nothing like they ba- are doing like just his job essentially like he's not doing anything to like comfort the animal um and so there's sort of this immediate like empathetic effect and i am glad you brought up like the close-up part of it sean too because i think a lot of the power of this film is that there are so many very tight close shots of the environment of like Mm -hmm. the apes faces especially like a lot of um very claustrophobic feeling scenes a lot of the big surgery scenes will have these Mm -hmm. close-ups of the ape and what's going on and also just of these just machines and things that you don't really fully understand the purpose of but have this kind of like brutalist oppressive effect on the environment of what you're watching yeah one one of the things that is uh pretty all over the writing about this is is it's what it draws from and and tries to recreate uh as far as silent film and Mm -hmm. like you know relative to a lot of weissman's previous work you know there's not too much dialogue here like uh, oftentimes before the podcast i'll do the initial watch and i'll rewatch it again a little before but like while reading or doing something else more in the background and you can't really do that so much with this one because it's just a lot of screeching and machines whirring kind of and like you know little sentence here or there but like it it doesn't work on the same level but i mean visually you know um the silent movie thing i mean there's there's elements that you know are reminiscent of like murnau and like um you know i think he's weissman here and and brain of course are experimenting much more with visual storytelling and Mm -hmm. and that surgery scene in particular you bring up Alyssa is like 
I think I think a few of the writers noted the shot duration in this is like significantly shorter than in Weissman's previous films, and you got Brain going back and forth between researchers, like talking to each other. Weissman's intercutting, you know, other researchers looking at a machine, a uh, close up of like a vial around this ape stick, like you know, like like just back. It's 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 that to me in addition to the visuals like just the editing of it was really reminiscent of like early silent film and silent horror just in the way of of trying to build the narrative uh through visuals yeah i think um i i read that this took him 14 months to edit which is like by far the longest right uh he's taken to do it and um uh barry keith grant talks about um that like approach like that he's heard Wiseman or talked with Wiseman about like this this approach, this more deliberate uh, mise-en-scene that he uh, works on here, um, which is, it's interesting that it shares so much DNA with Titicut Follies because the technique is also so much different in a way, mm-hmm. like, I mean, yeah. within within uh, um, this filmmaker's work. Um, but yeah, like something, I think that makes something like Juvenile Court or Hospital at Law and Order, uh, they they're dialogue driven you can sort of like background watch them to like you know get those earworms or whatever because they're all about like these cases that are coming through or these patients that are like you know explaining their 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 situations with with one another and talking them through and this is almost entirely observation driven which is um you know uh there's there's a doubling there that that is worth noting but um i think it was uh grant as well that talked about uh the fact that like the increased number of cuts and the lack of like mobile camera work here um, is like creates sort of this caged effect um, that matches up with the subject matter. But he, he says that we don't get like a lot of these like walking down the hallway shots or pans. Um, and I was thinking of when we talked about juvenile court uh, or a scene, some of like just the dexterity of, of brain to like be moving around uh instead of those cuts like just like always on the move and this is just like so much more static and it's it's nice to see that thought put into it i mean i'm i don't know if it changed if brain's um technique changed as much as wiseman was just like constructing this over those 14 months in the edit yeah i mean it seems like a film that was because of its very sort of tough viewpoint to get across and especially because I think the subject matter itself is very tough to get across or in the way that he may have wanted it to at least according to the researchers later they say that they were very shocked to see it depicted the way it was um but uh there are there is very little dynamic there is one pan I can think of like off the top of my head from that movie which is um when the capuchin is like getting that break between being prepped for the autopsy Mm -hmm. and like it pans over to like all the other capuchins in the cages. And that's probably the one like big moment of camera movement I can think of. And then besides that, it it is mostly static, which also makes just the place seem very barren too. Like you don't get a sense of like a lot of the sort of like structural detail of the building, I think that you do in other Wiseman films. it feels much more like there's a part there's like an one exterior shot where it's they have a playground there and you never see that again and it's like just sort of like this almost like weird kind of non-euclidean space which you can't really get your feet on 
Yeah, I mean, you, you already brought up, like, how relative to some of the other institutions, we have, like, a really limited frame of reference for Yerkes, um, which I think previously I would have said the one uh, that, that had that mantle was a scene, yeah. um, which mm-hmm. was also probably uh, among the most cloistered, accepting, you know, potato peeler scene. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, uh, yeah, this, this just takes all the kind of, like, I guess, spatial geometry that, that's really usually lacking in most Weissman films and just, like, cranks it all the way up because, like, you, we're, we're never situated. There's no, like, central location, say, like, we talked last time in juvenile court about, like, the court or the judge's chambers, you know, it's just, like, nondescript operating tables, cages, hallways, you know, like, like, you get the sense that it, it doesn't really matter. The whole place is kind of like a house of horrors. Yeah, I think the only central location I would say you get is that like main hallway of cages where they naturally get returned back to. But because of the fact that um, these aren't, I mean, these aren't human inmates, they're primates. It also becomes a little, you don't like, they they blend together. Like you don't necessarily know like which primate is which unless it's being explicitly told to you. Um, yeah. There's only one scene where they talk, where they refer to them by name um by the names that they've been given mm-hmm. yeah uh i i think like talking about this spatial um awareness or lack thereof um a lot of the reviews um uh, or a couple of the reviews that i read and like anecdotal um uh information related in like uh some of the writing or journals uh that talk about this um talk about a like the potential for a distanced effect um especially the contemporaneous reviews that are like sort of priming you know viewers for what to expect um uh kind of sets people up for like sort of this ironic distance um which um i i don't know if i feel strongly one way or the other i think a lot of that just has to do with the fact that um there is so little dialogue that we're just watching. Um, but also there's, you know, we're, we're left to identify with, for the most part, if you choose to, the, these uh, primates um, rather than uh, the actual scientists for, for most of us. But um, there's a, a, a really good review from a handful of years ago, like last decade um, by Leo Goldsmith um, on a site called Not Coming. And um, he talks about how we only see like snippets of just generally in Wiseman's films, we only see snippets of these people and they're usually in a professional capacity. So, you know, we're, we're left to either identify with them or feel distance from them, um, which he uh, his big reference point for that was was Brecht saying that like he's mm-hmm. doing uh, for documentary filmmaking what Brecht was doing for the stage. Um, but and I can see why he would come to that thought when thinking about primate because um there is yeah i guess you could call it a distance but there's just like an abstraction to it um when you're not just listening to people talk about you know the issues and what like that they're dealing with and why they're you know um dealing with um a house call that a police came to there, you know, when you're not dealing with like this constant flow of information or why somebody's at this hospital there, it like naturally takes on an abstraction. But, um, uh, he also like goes on to make a point about how that approach is, is just much more about prioritizing social utility than, than simple information, which I think 
we can talk about the broader controversy around this film and around Yerkes, um, but specifically about this film, like a lot of the controversy that happened, I think is because of how little dialogue it is. Like even even without like the fact that there's like labels and stuff, is mm-hmm. um, just the idea that like you know uh, he's not interested in uh, conveying information. I think that there's a good like Benson uh, and Anderson um, uh, thing about this, but they talk about how like. Uh, you know, he's working on an existential level and um, trying to create paradoxes and not, um, or, you know, look at paradoxes um, rather than trying to accuse Yerkes of doing one th- thing or the other, right? It's not like an attack on Yerkes. Yeah, like that is a lot of the contemporaneous reviews, I would say both positive and negative, sort of have this feeling, have this very surface level feeling where it's like whatever critic just kind of being like either, yes, this is an attack on this institution and that's good or that's bad. And they just kind of punch out and are like, yeah. there we go. Got it. All right, done. Because I think there is a way, there, there it is possible because of the lack of dialogue to view this film as one of his less demanding ones like this idea that it's like just yeah. you know a hit job or like a very yeah i get it they attack. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's very easy to look at it like that and be <laughs> like oh whatever but like it does have this sense of ambiguity and sort of existentialism like you said sean um that really sort of make it stand out from other like polemical t- documentaries mm-hmm there's also so much uh there's so many like cosmic jokes in this movie that are (laughs) just like i especially in this the last like hour last half hour like uh there's so many good jokes yeah oh my god there are so many i mean a big thing i don't want to jump like i guess too far ahead but like the big thing that sort of to me is like the key one of like the key scene of the movie is the budget meeting at the end Mm -hmm. where they're talking about um the invention of penicillin in relation to everything yeah. that they're doing. The situation now and with regard to research, and particularly medical research, is geared towards practical results. If basic research is eliminated for too long a period of time, you'll be left with nothing to apply. If you think back a bit to some of the um, original uh, studies that have been done which uh, have now become very famous. For instance, Fleming's discovery of penicillin uh, simply consisted of his observation that there were a few spots of mold on a, on, a, uh, on a plate on which he was culturing bacteria. And you can imagine maybe what the results would be if he'd applied for an NIH grant now to, <laughs> to, to study this mold. Uh, and would have got nowhere, and yet this has been one of the most fantastic developments in the field of medical treatment that you could imagine. This is the thing that really worries me about the attitude in Washington now about research and the amount of basic research is being whittled further and further down until the time will come, as I say, that we, we won't have anything left to apply. And what it will mean, of course, is that, uh, that our place will be taken by uh, uh, the laboratories in Europe. Which I'm allergic to, so it doesn't hold a lot of water for me. (laughs) (laughs) But like, it it becomes like this, like, kind of like haunting, but very funny realization, like to hear them talk about this. One of them is like, 
you don't we don't know the like they're talking about the value of peer research and they're specifically mm -hmm. talking about how funding for peer research is going down um and that if it goes down it will be a problem um and one of them has this line where they say that you know you don't know what one fact like what one fact is important until you have another fact and it's this horrifying realization that like oh these guys are just kind of acting on faith like they don't actually have a basis to understand like the reason this stuff is useful they just know that it's possible that someday it will be useful and may have these you know very big like beneficial effects but they don't they don't know that and so yeah. you've seen like this horror like for almost two hours and then to sort of have that scene right before the epilogue um which is also very funny um mm -hmm. <laughs> uh it's very it, it sticks with you like it is very like like sort of disturbing on just like a human level to think about on like an existential level yeah i think uh, not to get too crude but the the thing i wrote down that i thought sums it up is they're they're throwing a bunch of ape, ape cum at the wall and seeing what sticks <laughs> essentially i mean we I, I think uh, so that that meeting, which I think uh, is the first one of the first meeting scenes that it is. There's uh, the other is, meeting the other earlier meeting. on about how, how and when they're going to ejaculate John. Oh, right. Yeah. But like, but so. But importantly, that is a meeting with only a couple of the scientists, whereas that okay. budget meeting near the end is like they kind of like collect because all one another thing about the movie is that all the scientists kind of feel isolated from each other in a certain way like you get these different yeah. groups doing different it's things and they kind of, yeah. yeah they kind of all like get collected at the end of the movie to sit at this table and essentially argue for what they're doing and that's the only time that that happens in the movie that budget meeting are, are th so is this the first movie with with the meetings i can't remember uh arlen if you can recall any from previous ones that if we've talked in about. terms of budget um, um yeah or like just like sort of staff well no there were some in like law and order yeah. for instance so yeah um but but i mean budget is definitely something obviously okay. weissman becomes yeah, yeah. very uh concerned with those are the tasty yeah. <laughs> tasty nuggets uh yeah it's funny watching it in hindsight because yeah obviously that wasn't a huge part of his career at this point but there is a distinct lack of meetings in this movie and yeah. it sort of it hits and when you're familiar with wiseman more from his later work right well I, th I think too some of the difference between this early period and what comes later is like I think there's there's less of an interest in just administration in general, yeah. and as opposed to just like the activities uh, yeah. of a given institution, and less so like how the decisions of what activities are performed or come to. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 well put. That 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 uh, moment that you mentioned, Alyssa, uh, where he quotes uh, the usefulness of useless knowledge. Um, <laughs> but uh, Mamber picks up on that in his uh, journal about it. Uh, to kind of say that like uh, this is also the way that Wiseman thinks about his work uh, in terms of this associ associational value of like um, you might not know or he might not know what he has obviously he doesn't know what he has when he goes to edit and his idea or his like his his um, the task that he gives himself is to be able to create meaning through associate uh, associational value um, and while you're watching uh, you might not know what scene, what one scene means until you watch another one, um, uh, which is, is a sly little uh, thing there from Wiseman, but...
Yeah. And I mean, like, I think the first step in understanding this more is like a hit understanding this less as like a hit job and a more complex work is the the basic like level understanding that the people at this research station are mostly just observing like every day and that is what Wiseman does in general and so like that sort of complicates the issue of like yeah like this idea that he has this like negative viewpoint towards the scientists like obviously they don't come off great but I don't think he is like attacking them necessarily I think one of the what yeah in Carolyn Anderson and, and Thomas Benson's book they have this in their chapter on this they they talk a lot about uh rhetoric uh within the film like the film's rhetoric and um but they talk about how Yerkes like Wiseman's film shows a lot of justification from Yerkes to mm-hmm. like they're justifying a lot of the things that they're doing so that they're able to do them with a free conscience or what what have you or you know to, con- to continue to get grant funding um and that there is like this paradox that like Wiseman be it this film or other films that you accept as a viewer uh a similar justification um that he is sort of giving himself uh permission to to tape whatever he's allowed to tape um which you know it's not free of collateral yeah the the line the line they use i wrote down is the film uh challenges the rhetoric of justification itself it's like you know it can you even does it matter right like like and and essentially you know it comes down to like a trolley problem kind of thing right is like you know the life of of x number of apes versus you know x number of human cancer patients or what have you um and like well you know is that even a fruitful way to go about it like like you know is is it not enough to look at the activities at Yerkes and and simply say uh, in and of themselves you know there this is a worthwhile endeavor or can there be justification for it well uh, uh, M Night Shyamalan's old now streaming uh, <laughs> <laughs> good good to get that plug in you know <laughs> um, but yeah I mean in in past episodes in uh, past episodes of the podcast like sort of. I think mm-hmm. an interesting part of it in terms of how it is sort of him analyzing this idea of rhetoric is how the places where the film does echo Titicut Follies, I think. Because mm-hmm. obviously, like, considering this and then looking back at Titicut Follies, like, is to see a director who has definitely, I think, become a little bit more cynical about, like, documentary work. Obviously, you've talked about this in past episodes, but this movie feels partially not even as much a documentation of the institution as this sort of like internal examination of like, you know, like his own work, like what he's doing, what he's trying to do, Mm -hmm. um, how the responsibility that he inevitably takes um, upon like the creation of a work, which ironically enough was a big part of like him dealing with the fallout after this film, because he chose to, you know, create it the way he did and he received a lot of fallout and for him to sort of stand by the work it's an interesting sort of like epilogue i guess to his efforts with this film specifically yeah there so there's um a piece uh by christine russell called the primate controversy that kind of like encapsulates you know the aftermath and the the discourse happening around the film 
Um, and she essentially calls the film a failure. Um, I, I believe because I think she misunderstands what it's trying to do and its aims. Um, but she says, she even goes as far to say that th this kind of research is like beyond the scope of what Verite is capable of, which I mean is like also, you know, kind of a misunderstanding of Weissman's mode of filmmaking and what Verite is, but like. This is also in Bioscience yeah. Journal or something. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. It, like that, so, so a lot of this and a lot of the criticism comes from the scientific community yeah. because they want they're getting heat for cutting open monkeys uh, from the public and they want the public to understand why they're cutting open monkeys yeah. and they feel the film doesn't show that, which it doesn't. So it's, if, if, you know, that's the angle you're coming from, you know, you're going to yeah. be justified in those reasonings. Yeah. But so it, it, it's really about like, everyone seems to have their own interpretation of just what the film's trying to do and they judge the success based on how well it achieves their assumed goal yeah and while there is like a distinct like lack of explanation in the film i would argue that there are moments when he goes out of his way to try to let the giant scientists justify themselves in ways yeah, there's that, that one crazy direct there's address a, <laughs> there's a talking head we're conducting electromyographic studies on the three great apes, gorilla, chimpanzee, and orangutan, in order to elucidate human and great ape evolution. When muscles contract, they produce electrical potentials, which the equipment that we have uh, can read. From these readings, we can infer which muscles are active during particular movements of the animals. Uh, we hoped through these studies to find out uh, which bony markings are related to uh, which particular behaviors of animals and then trace those back into the fossil record uh, so that we can know, for instance, when man began to walk bipedally, when he began to manufacture and use tools regularly, uh, when the apes began to swing beneath branches and hang beneath branches and engage in other suspensory behaviors, uh, when the two African apes, chimpanzee and gorilla, came to the ground and engaged in knuckle walking, which is their own particular kind of locomotion. I do not subscribe to the theory that uh, the living apes, chimpanzee and gorilla, closely resemble the ancestry of man. I believe that probably somewhere between 15 million years ago and 10 million years ago, the ancestors of man and the great apes, chimpanzee and gorilla in particular, diverged. I believe this divergence was initiated in the trees. That is, the African apes' ancestor was doing something rather different from man's ancestor in the trees. This moved the center of gravity in the ape up into his chest, and in man it moved the center of gravity down into the pelvis, so that when the two lineages, members of the two lineages, began to experiment in terrestrial locomotion and habitation, the ape tipped over and became a knuckle walker, whereas man was predisposed to walk bipedally on his hind feet. 
By walking bipedally on his hind feet, his hands were freed to carry objects and, of course, to carry tools once he had learned to make them. And subsequent to that, then man ventured out into the open savanna country and became a hunting animal, which again is rather a unique attribute of uh, at least Pleistocene man. Yeah, like, yeah. There, these aren't in these movies. Like, it's like yeah, he yeah. just had that. He kind of had to take a knee and be like, "Look, guys, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to say something." Like, people aren't going to know. Like, he like, and it's like clear because of like like he doesn't hate these scientists like that's a lot of the scientists the criticism from scientists i feel like comes from this perspective that this guy this is just some director who is like way out of his depth or something yeah. and like didn't even really fully comprehend he, what he, he even filming. says he believes the work here is vital it's, yeah like he's like yeah. i don't believe the scientists are doing bad i believe their work is vital um because i think he's less interested in what he thinks of the institution than trying to get you to sort of like analyze your own feelings about science in general and like sort of these sacrifices yeah. like in the end like it's a question of like how you he, he sort of like the way he withholds information is sort of like well how much how much faith do you have in these scientists really like mm -hmm. when you are sort of stripped of some sort of context like are you still able to look at things like this and be like this is absolutely worth it. Not even in a sense of like condemning the institution, but just like general ideas of advancement and just sort of like accepting responsibility for what might be the cost of that. Yeah, and I think it, it's interesting too, what Weissman professes his chief concern is here. And that's like the application of the research in the film being used as like social control on humans, which like is like, you know, borders on like kind of a science fiction notion. And while watching the film wasn't something I was even really thinking about so much. Yeah, I almost, like, you know. I ne it never came up in my head. Like, I don't know, maybe that means that I'm somewhat naive. I could believe that I'm more naive than Frederick Wiseman, but. Um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. it, it, it just like further illustrates how everyone seems to have their own idea of not not even what the film means but what it its professed goals are like what it's trying to address yeah. and like yeah. i think i think there is a way to view primate that i think i'm i'm close to i don't know if i'm exactly there but just that like this is how the sausage is made right like the 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 we're merely presenting uh the realities the scientific realities that uh, allow for the standard of living we've come to know to be possible, right? And right. Like, like, we are all complicit in this as part of the society, and, like, you know, it is what it is, but it, it's good to know about, right? And I'm not saying it's good or bad, but, like, here it is. And, like, that doesn't really seem to be the way anybody seems to be coming at it, any of the right. No, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, th there's so much, like it's just for a lay person, which is obviously what all of his films, because they're on public television, like they're always mm -hmm. kind of aimed at a lay person. It is hard, especially when you don't know the specific ways it has benefited your life. Because obviously stuff like this has probably benefited just my life, you know, like at yeah. this point in time. But like um, when you don't know, it is, it does really like come for your, like it comes for your emotions. Like it really comes to like hit you in a hard place. Yeah. 
So it's yep. hard to like get that distance. Even I, I really, this time, this viewing, the second viewing, like I really tried actually. Like I really tried to be like, quote unquote, like objective, which mm -hmm. actually just made it a more disturbing and uncomfortable viewing than it was the first time. <laughs> I, I, I think I really like the way you put it a moment ago about like, um, uh, just like questioning what is your, what is your feelings about how science, like the daily science, uh, you know, goings on. Um, Grant talks about this in terms of like his, he, he says that this, this film and meat are like, show this like growing sophistication of viewer placement. Um, and uh, meat, which again, like, you know, I think people are used to this muckraker mentality, like, especially with like, you know, Michael Moore being like a popular figure, mm -hmm. but also the way that he was, you know, building this uh, reputation uh, from like Follies and high school and just like everything just like comes out and creates controversy, which a lot of that is mm -hmm. just because of his Verite um, style. But um, but he said like when he was making meat that he was eating a steak every night or something, right, yeah. <laughs> which is just like whatever. OK, but uh, but but it's obvious with me uh, that like putting the viewer in a place that is uncomfortable like where you are complicit in this. And uh, obviously there have been like dozens upon dozens of horrible documentaries that try to do that through direct uh, confrontation. But um, this one is, uh, I think, probably less obvious, but um, just more existential in the way we've been talking about and really does like ask you uh, what you think about this because it goes on. Um, and that that's like one of the, the great values of Wiseman's work is like, these are institutions that are around us all the time, and this is just what's happening within the walls. How do you feel about them? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's very, that's it's very astute. I do think also like to come back to this idea of like this possibility that Wiseman brings up of science being abused and misused. It is also like kind of to a certain extent baked into uh, just even like the foundations of that institution in general, because I talked to yeah. Sean a little bit earlier, but the man who founded the Institute and right. um, yeah, was the man, Robert Yerkes um, was this big testing pioneer. And he was also like a major eugenicist right, and like right. was one of the main forces in popularizing it in the, in the U S essentially, or he was one of the main people right. and came up with like, the mathematical formula, the national origin formula to dictate whether people could immigrate to the US or something. And that was like a mathematical formula he came Jesus. up with. So sort of there's this idea of science not as this like purely good thing already baked into like the background of the film. Obviously by the time the film was made, he was he passed away, right. but. Well, I mean, a lot of uh, the writings around this, you know, reference like you know dr mangala right and like the nazis and mm -hmm. like uh, they obviously took a lot from the american eugenicists and justifying yeah. their policies and you know it's it's a pretty terrible history um there it's actually um another film uh that this brought to mind that that i watched before we recorded is called the sea and, and poison do you guys know that one no i i i've been meaning to watch this and i saw you watched it and i read i was like jesus christ yeah, yeah. <laughs> i actually don't know this yeah so it, it's a japanese film uh directed by kei kimura it's a er, early ken watanabe joint um 
plays a scientist in it, but it's about uh, Japanese uh, medical researchers who are uh, contracted, I guess, by the Imperial Army to perform vivisection on captured American bomber pilots and gets into a lot of the same moral and ethical dilemmas that primate addresses, obviously, but it's, you know, and then we can talk about, you know, the U.S. obviously has a history of, of human testing through the military, whether it be after the A-bomb or, or Agent Orange, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like this, you know, this isn't just the realm of science, but viewing the, you know, Yerkes is a federally funded institution. So like, you know, the um, applicable qualities of research as as deemed by, you know, government and the Mm -hmm. state. And like, like, that is something that's not really addressed in primate, but um, is probably of more, probably more what Weissman is talking about when he's talking about how this these research might be like misapplied uh, by someone with not the best intentions right and it's like there is this whole history of like you know state uh, scientific research like that's terrible against humans but then when we talk about a primates is like is it it so bad I don't know you know well that's like obviously like the key difference about primate is that at the end of the day like another thing I find interesting about the comparisons between like this and Titicut Follies is that like, while it is formally similar, this is a different situation. Like these are like, when you look at it without like that emotional, like uh, viscerality, like, you know, these aren't aren't, like, they're not uh, humans. Like Mm -hmm. they are animals, like they are different. And so it becomes much more existential and much less of an angry film, I would say than Titicut Follies. Sitica follows yeah. you look at that and you're like this is abhorrent and you have a similar emotional reaction to primate but there is this possibility of like to me what i felt was always like i had this very visceral emotional reaction but because i was watching it with the with the attempt it did not work but with the attempt of trying to like understand that it was like for science that emotional reaction mostly just acted to make me feel like very like very small in a way that doesn't often happen with documentaries I think that make people feel really emotional mm-hmm. like a lot of the documentaries that I think in my life growing up that were popular a lot of them are there are all there are some that are of course just like fluffy human interest pieces um and then there were a few scattered ones that were existed to like do a hit job on like an institution or something or to call out an institution mm-hmm. and when you watch those movies I wanted like when you're young like you have this like I think the one I always think about is the documentary um it came out when I was like in high school it was called Blackfish or something it was like the big serial yeah, yeah, documentary yeah. Right. and like you know like when you're when I was young I was like fucking 17 or something I don't really remember um it like you this anger like washes over it's like this you gotta shut this place down <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. just gotta shut this place down it's unacceptable but then like you know once the movie ends like that anger washes out of you and it's a very pleasant <laughs> feeling and then you literally never think about it yeah ever. yeah yeah. like yeah. you never once think about like right. how you're complicit in this yeah. i went to i went to sea world as a kid i didn't think about like how that money went to like abusing whales or whatever i was just like ah this place this place well, that, it's go. like that and icarus were both like shot like heist films right like where yeah. they, they use these conventions of of fiction in ways that are like 
uh, ephemeral in a sense. Yeah. I, I will say I've I've not had any Dole products since seeing bananas uh, <laughs> a number of years ago. Um, that that one still yeah. makes me mad. I was gonna say uh, though before, before we get too far uh, from old Bobby Y. Uh, <laughs> he, he, in uh, Atkins, Thomas Atkins has like a um, an interview that he did with Wiseman about Primate like weeks before it came out. Um, and Wiseman just brings up as an example uh, the internal logic of the opening shot, uh, which are like of these old scientists, including mm. Yerkes, including right. Robert Yerkes. Um, and he just like, you know, makes a note that he has a very specific purpose for that, um, which is just it's, it's interesting to think about and or it's interesting to know about uh, Yerkes uh, past um, and consider that. Uh, being a deliberate choice um, because I, you know he's not usually interested in like who founded the hospital or who donated this most of the the most of this hospital like um, yeah. but like drawing potentially drawing this line um, between uh, or you know from the past especially when he's talking at the end with this meeting about um, uh, you know uh, you might not know what you have until later and like mm-hmm. that there is sort of the spectrum of uh invention and evolution of um science and how we apply it to things uh that like is beyond our knowledge at the point yeah and i think that is sort of i mean the critical like scientific viewpoint was that like obviously the research was like too big for the scope of the documentary but i do think it's sort of part of the point that it is too big it's this idea that you can't possibly capture the usefulness of what may be completely useless for like another 50 years or something like yeah. you don't have any idea and this idea that that was a criticism when it's very much like it's a it's a feature not a bug like it's part of the documentary <laughs> right yeah yeah and and going back to what we were talking about about like the sort of evolution in in Weissman's situation of the viewer for his films it, I think it is interesting, and, and Sean, maybe this touches on Mamber's uh, rules for engaging with Weissman a little, but like like on the first viewing, you know, I think you are inclined to identify with the apes because mm-hmm. it's just, you know, the, the natural, empathetic kind of thing to do. But they're also on, very animated, like the eyes. Oh you yeah, know, just yeah. And, and there, there are montages that are just of their faces, you yeah. know, just or of their faces, be, yeah, just like, like them sort of like aimlessly moving around the cages, like, and just like with any with any animal that you look at, like you are sort of like projecting your right, own right, mental right, space yeah. into them, like you're not. They're just, like, like raising like, eyebrows, and like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like yeah, like they could, <laughs> who knows what they're thinking, but you you kind of feel like you do, and yeah. I think that's a part oh, of the, yeah. a big part of like the emotional response that can be drawn out by this film. Yeah, I mean there's there's and and it's something that the researchers themselves are doing that we we witness them, right? Like like the way they talk to the apes or or talk to each other about what they're seeing. There's there's a scene where like one researcher's sticking probes into the spider monkey's skull and and remarks something like Oh, he does resent. Yeah, generally he does. Yeah, yeah, she's like, yeah, generally. Yeah, no, yeah, I think I would resent it too. Yeah, a lot of those little comments are very funny because, like, obviously, they are meant to be passing comments of unimportance. But since there's so there's so little dialogue in the movie, like, they hit very hard for you. Like, 
And then, but then, so that's the thing too, is I think on repeat viewings, you can get, the viewer can get situated a little more with the researchers in that, you know, you know what's coming. It's not going to be as viscerally shocking to you. You can begin to kind of engage with and examine the visuals and, and like dissect, I guess, a little more like the meanings of, of procedures of what Weissman's trying to convey. And like, like, so I, I, I thought that was interesting just talking about how the film situates the audience and how Mamber's noting, you know, you can't just watch these films once they all repair, oh, yeah. bear repeat viewings and just the complexities that uh, accumulate uh, upon those repeat viewings. Yeah. I mean, like, Definitely part of the repeat viewings, one of the things I was taken with was that I had this memory of the film from when I first watched it of the humans being very robotic because I had in my memory, I had my memory, things like the talking head and things like the surgery scene and stuff and these very emotionless like robotic people. But upon rewatching it, I was really kind of taken aback by how many scenes do sort of work to humanize the researchers too a little bit or place them within a human context that they aren't just like emotionless drones essentially like um a big thing is obviously um early on in the scene early on in the film um Wiseman shows sort of like the nursery essentially a little bit which is this very strange very absurd like kind of fun house imitation (laughs) of like of like a like it was some of the images in that are just like very like seem like something out of like a surrealist film like the way they just hold these like baby monkeys and also there's just something funny about a monkey in a diaper like it is inherently a little funny it's Um, so cute (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's like just seeing the way like these Wiseman chooses to highlight primarily the female nurses which I'm Mm -hmm. sure there there were nurses working there that weren't female you see one of them one of the guys who comes in and feeds the babies but like a lot of like the ways that the female nurses are kind of like doting on the monkeys as if they're yeah. like, children um, has this effect where you're kind of obviously the immediate obvious reason for that is to further humanize the apes so that yeah. the scenes later hit a little harder. But it also does kind of work to humanize the researchers too at the exact same time, which mm-hmm. is part of another sort of paradox that I think is just interesting about the film <laughs> you know it's, it's interesting that scene with the the chimp and the diapers too you're you get that it's just kind of playful and it's cute and you're like ah oh. and then immediately it's the hang test yeah and, yeah, and, yeah. The nurses, and there is something but... like sort of cruel there's something cruel <laughs> yeah. about that right like yeah like but just... i mean like on the other hand like they gotta learn to hang like they got <laughs> like there's like something like when you think about your own relationship to animals like obviously like i can watch of horror with like a lot of um like a lot of the scenes i can watch of horror but then i think about like my cat like when i've got a force feed when i've got a force feed it a pill like if you showed someone that without context it it might upset them because i'm you know just forcing my cat's mouth open and just like holding her mouth shut to make her swallow the pill and stuff but like internally i know that that's good and so in that sense I feel like if you try to fully distance yourselves from the scientists, I think you're probably, it sounds extreme to say, but I think you're kind of violating the trust that Wiseman is putting in you as a viewer. Hmm. Like, well, I, I think the, the difference though, is that like, you know, 
with with your cat and I have cats too and have done the same thing and it's never pleasant but it's like this is we know it's for the cat's benefit and I think in this film even that is the true, most yeah. generous perspective we know they're not trying to like heal the apes right yeah, well, they're trying to ex- extract like re- useful data from them for the benefit of humans right, right, right. And, yeah, that's a good point. and it's like you know so so i think again that's that's like kind of the central quandary is like like it, it, it's not going to benefit them it's our benefit and is there ever a reason for that to be okay yeah the um the hanging thing is is funny uh well i think it it comes like right after like the scene of the you know the it seems like a big wig there i i can't tell if he was the director and i don't think he's the, the guy director. with the big kind of the guy with the big beard and the, and pipe. Like the, and the yeah. crazy pipe yeah. Yeah. yeah and he's like trying to record and there's just like screeching like <laughs> oh my God, infant yeah. primates <laughs> it's just like you're not get, you're not recording anything but um <laughs> the uh the uh talking head shot at the towards the end is so fucking funny because what you know he's going on this long long like uh uh speech about uh evolution lineage yeah and bipedalism and um and (laughs) wiseman just like intercuts it with this guy playing with like he's teaching a monkey how to how to swing swing swing. swing. he's doing it he's like like, this is how you be a monkey (laughs) yeah (laughs) i know how to be a monkey better than you you just see them like playing in tandem and it's just like such a perfect uh funny uh, well, I, I I love that that scene too because it's really, you know, the the um, special that um, the Boston NET station put together for their uh, broadcast was called the Price of Knowledge, right? Yeah, or the, the cost mm-hmm. of yeah. knowledge or something. And it's like he's talking about, well, okay, where in the evolutionary tree did like you know modern ape and man diverge, and you know da da da, and like you know in the context of all the experiments we're seeing and that explanation it's like does it matter you know is is something like that knowledge that's like you know i guess good to know and useful but ultimately like does it have a practical application is like is that kind of knowledge justified by the kinds of research we're seeing here and and like like it just yeah the more you see and the more you think about the justifications it's like well there has to be some kind of line drawn like what is practical what is useful and what is just like kind of good to know or like interesting right like like that kind of climactic scene with the the decapitation and the the brain slides and then like ultimately they're looking at the slides and they're like that's sort of interesting (laughs) i think they they say something to the effect of like Oh, it looks the same as all the others. <laughs> like which is just like, come on, guys. Like it's just like, yeah, like once you are killing a living thing, like a thing that's alive, like it's like, I don't really know if that's something that that is a point where like I as a viewer kind of have to draw a line. Like because it goes Wiseman, back to sorry. Uh, no, Wiseman just makes such a point of emphasizing that this thing is still alive while oh, it's being yeah. cut open. Which oh, is for sure. like yeah. the 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 uh, that the hardest part of that 
scene is not even decapitation but it's watching the heart beating like right. and oh, then sort yeah, of yeah. the slow build up to when it finally kind of gets punctured and you're just like oh this thing's dead like this right. thing just got killed um and it's, and just, it's like, just like rotating like it's on a spit yeah and it's just like you slowly see the head kind of like lose any form any of that semblance of like life and sort of be slowly decay as they like pick it apart it's very very upsetting like it is sort of yeah. the big centerpiece thing that people talk about I, and i don't remember if it was grant who wrote about it but like there because of it, all of the research that preceded it where no one no one's been killed yet right you're kind of getting the sense that like oh this is getting pretty intense but i guess they know what they're doing right yeah. until it becomes apparent like yeah they know exactly what they're doing and they're gonna still, kill this killing. yeah exactly yeah right. and like, like i think i do remember watching it for the first time and even when it got to the point where he was really cut open like i saw that heart beating yeah. and i was like well right maybe, yeah maybe they're, they're, they're gonna, gonna stitch him back, back together yeah, like, yeah, and it's exactly. gonna be fine yeah. like and it's just like no no that's not what's gonna happen um and yeah i mean it again becomes that question of like this sort of faith that you have in these people and in these mm -hmm. institutions that they know what they're doing and then without necessarily realizing what it is they're doing like right and it the it goes back that scene to what you were like so Arlen you were talking about this uh, special where this like debate <clears throat> and this like you know they were debating about where do you draw the line and and uh, it gets brought up like one of the researchers is like talking about how they what they test mice or rats and just like crush rats they grind up like, flies yeah. yeah oh that and yeah. and, and uh, that was like a question and when you were talking in the beginning Arlen about like uh there seems to be a justification on these smaller animals that mm -hmm. because they are smaller uh like you you don't expect to see them do that to like a huge gorilla like a gorilla yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah i mean and, and it's it's interesting too um thinking about just going back to the babies there's nothing in the film about the provenance of any of these animals yeah it's like you know are they bred within the institution are they like captured in the wild and brought in are they like lent out from zoos yeah. like are they like sometimes places like that take in like sick animals from the wild that are like yeah. going to die or something like is that sort of like the starting point i mean since it is such an old institution one has to imagine when it was first founded probably they were just captured from the wild but also these are just assumptions and you're never told like yeah. i remember one of the reviews that i read was like sort of made the assumption that they were just captured and brought in from the wild which i yeah. don't necessarily know is actually true like right. that does feel like sort of like a leap like a, a leap like without context you don't necessarily totally. know but there it sort of a... hangs over it like yeah. especially since it's represented as sort of like a prison film this question of like their origin is kind of one of those things that sort of uncomfortably hangs over the film but is never expanded on oh totally like like if it's a, if it's the case that um the animals are like you know bred for this purpose i think that you know that is almost would... more disturbing that is almost more totally. disturbing like right. the idea of like the little capuchin monkeys being bred to eventually be decapitated is not well, great there, to think about there's um there's a i mean yerkes has a history of controversy that uh follows this film as well i think i think it was before and after like even in in august of last year there was like protests there's protests the in 2017 they got dinged for uh three three monkeys dying i think 
2017, two were, one of them was malnourished, one of them didn't have water, and they both were just found dead in their cages. And yeah. the other one, very horrifyingly, was euthanized because his paperwork was mixed up with a different oh monkey. Yeah. Um, and so these were like, obviously, immediately, like a bunch of animal rights people were very upset yeah. with them. So this is still like, this institution is still running and still running into these issues. But in like in 2006, uh, I know like Jane Goodall and like PETA, like in like a bunch of high level, you know, animal activists, researchers were like urging them, like writing op-eds and yada, yada yeah. uh, to uh, not or like writing to a wildlife service to not fulfill Yerky's request to mm. uh, have like yeah. some some like Sudi manga bay monkeys which are endangered but they like yeah. they're natural carriers of aids but they're asymptomatic or whatever um so that seems like something where again this is extra textual and not necessarily important to understanding uh the film but um that uh they aren't there this isn't like ethically sourced primates <laughs> yeah yeah don't worry they're fine <laughs> like Conflict. they just have to justify Chips. it yeah, yeah. they, they yeah, have they to justify, justify it through like grant writing type of that type of request um and are granted it yeah yeah, yeah. and i do think goodall is probably important to mention too because yeah, like sure. when for this sure. movie was released that research her research was going on and i believe it's very briefly yeah. sort of mentioned in the early parts of the film which again there's a there's a scene that complicates the research that i sort of noted down which is that um the guy with the big beard they're talking about gorilla sex positions of course as you guys yeah. do in day to day <laughs> talk about dorsal ventral and yeah, yeah. um and this guy <laughs> brings up dorm? like this guy brings up like so like how does that like differ from their behavior in the wild because like in the wild right. they don't have sex as much and of yeah. course i remember like the beard guy is like see the gorillas are not nearly as sexy as uh as chimps yeah. or orangs. But it does also immediately bring up this question is like, well, how valid is this research even in terms of like observing these animals like behavior because it's in captivity, like yeah. which yeah. vastly changes how an animal is going to behave as opposed to in the wild. Right. So sort of like there is sort of at the beginning of the film, this idea that these are two very different kinds of research essentially about the same thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Goodall's work in, in the Combe National Forest, I think, was, was well underway at that time and had already, you know, yielded the big findings of, like, tool use and socialization. So, like, like you know, complicating matters of, I guess, like, personhood, right, and language yeah. and all these things. So, like, like, and these are scientists, right? So they yeah. are very up to date they would have known about yeah. all of yeah. this happening and the idea of even like ant apes knowing language is not even like extra textual in the film like there is a scene where they're teaching right they're sort of doing uh, tests with a chimpanzee La sort of, lana the chimp lana the yeah. chimp yeah, yeah. Who I, I believe was relatively famous at the time of the movie i don't quite remember she yeah like uh, coco was the big one which was a couple of years right. after right. um but like this idea that like that research sort of brings us closer to understanding primates like as like living beings but it's like you said arlen like it also highlights the idea that that's not what the research at this facility is about like it is specifically about how ways that can benefit like yeah. humanity whereas like right. yeah and it's like 
the scientists can't have it both ways, right? They can't simultaneously be doing this research into, like, the, like, special qualities of primates that make them distinct from animals and more akin to man, while at the same time, you know, just, like, going hog on, like, cutting them open and cutting their heads off and, like... Right. Yeah, like, like, there is critique for, like, the different sort of research methods, but also, like, yeah, if they want to see what a capuchin's brain looks like, they can't really watch it in the wild. Like, these are different yeah. forms of, like, research, but it's interesting, because, again, like, for a lay person, it is going to complicate this idea of, like, the validity of even, like, the research that's going right. on. And, I mean, even in the wild, too, Jane Goodall, like, like there was that horrific incident where uh, the there was like a chimp plague uh because they were kind of like intermingling with the researchers and like after that they they stopped being allowed to touch the chimps but like it does seem you know in the wild like to me a layperson seems like you know the only reasonable way to conduct at least behavioral research right oh yeah because like what what can you glean in captivity so much uh arlen you i mean uh your good friend Jane Goodall. You can uh, <laughs> call her up and see if she can. I would, I she would can love join, to. Yeah, yeah if she has any. If she has any opinions about the film. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, well, I, I, we've we've danced around it, I guess. But I mean, so there is the documentary Jane, which I loved, mm-hmm. and which Sean is referencing. I got to interview uh, Doctor Goodall, um, and and also, but also uh, a film and figure. I know Sean and I at least have a strong mutual affection for Coco, a talking gorilla, uh, the Barbe Schroeder film, which came out four years later. Um, and like, you know, kind of maybe an in-between point between like the kind of research at Yerkes and the kind of research Jane Goodall was doing. Um, but like I, I did revisit that film after revisiting primate this week. And like my recollection of Coco is like kind of, more of a warm fuzzy thing you know mm-hmm. but watching that film after primate i it, it left a worse taste in my mouth about huh. it, it, it well, I, I, I messed I, it up for you he, he <laughs> totally did he, I, i'm just like let this gorilla be a gorilla right like <laughs> get like, her out of here what are we like, doing there, there, are scenes, there are scenes where like like you know uh, they bring in Michael, who's a younger male gorilla that they're also teaching sign language, and like they're interacting, and and like they're like no bite, and she like gives Coco a t- little smack on the face, and you're like, well, like that's just how gorillas play, you know, like and with each other, right? And it's just like. I don't know. Is, is yeah. there is there ever? It's like don't try to imprint your morality onto this gorilla. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it 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 is a really interesting and tough like moral ethical quandary when you just think about any kind of research on another species but primates in particular because there's this gray area where we do recognize that they have some sort of individual personhood they have some kind of cognizance to some degree not too uh dissimilar from humans but there also is this othering as animal you know non-human primates right yeah and it's like like yeah what when it what what is okay you know what is ever okay here and it's it's a really tough question to answer but i think i think um uh what i take away and maybe for the purpose of this podcast like uh, i i think again he's 
I don't find that to be like the question that this film is really thinking about. Like, I think it's more about um, this relationship between authority and uh, subjects that are, you know, imprisoned or, you know, being regulated and controlled. That seems to yeah. be like more, yeah. more what, what Wiseman is interested yeah. in. Yeah, I mean, it almost to me serves as this kind of like, checkpoint film in his career at this point which is that for many of his films up to this point with the exception of maybe SNA although that could change depending on how cynical you are about the church um but like it's this idea of this sort of um like institution that has this certain level of manipulation and control over like a secondary population so obviously right. Titicut Follies is huge but you could argue that about, you know, like the yeah. the people who run the boot camp at basic training or high, or like the teachers in high school. Like there is this idea yeah. that all of them are about this certain level of authority that is being exerted on people who cannot necessarily act against it. And Primate is to me like after Titicut Follies, like one of the more extreme versions of that where like these aren't even like animals that can like give consent or like argue mm -hmm. for themselves or anything yeah. and yeah so... I, th I think like yeah like in like we've talked a lot about diminished autonomy and how that that is something that is manifest and i think in um in like follies and or all of them like it's coded right like yeah. diminished autonomy is coded or like the panopticon is coded in like basic training or high school and here it's just accepted it, like yeah. yeah it's text it's accepted it's text like that's what they're doing they're observing which is part of you know that panopticon is that you have yeah. this imprisonment and then you're sort of watching over it like it's what they do yeah i i think that's really astute i mean like the thing that all these films touch on is that each institution has their own sort of like processes and language and ways of understanding the world like you know everything they do is institutionalized based on you know their own set of criteria so like and the all of his films kind of explore they do the same thing, right? They don't provide a ton of context. We just happen to have yeah. more extra textual, you know, experience with some of the other institutions, but it's yeah. it's not doing anything dissimilar to right. any of his other films. It's just yeah. saying, look at these institutional codes as they are, you know, and, and make of it what you will. Um, and like, you know, everything here, you know, for the researchers, this is all commonplace day-to-day -day stuff right like it it is literally like institutionalized behavior and practices um and like like for that's the interesting thing right for the layperson is like like you know uh, uh what does it mean <laughs> right like, like what does it mean <laughs> what do you take what do you take away from it you know like that yeah. is kind of part of like seeing those codes and taking away what you think of the institution in the first place is kind of part of like the baseline like why the project is would be interesting to a lay person um yeah yeah i think uh, yeah that's i i hope uh yeah i don't know i hope people are able to listen to this and be like oh okay that's why i i sat through this uh minute <laughs> thing and listened to this two and a half hour podcast or whatever. oh my god i mean god no, there is it is hard sometimes to uh it convey that uh, you know to people who aren't like super into film it like there's just such a uh strict understanding of what a documentary should do and i yeah. get like wiseman's like 
insistence throughout his career to be more like aligned as like a novelist rather than a traditional documentary filmmaker because he is like he he is creating uh you know things out of out of what he shot into be something that is more existential and not just like trying to tell you you know most mo uh, there's an assumption that you're sitting down to watch a documentary when you turn on netflix or whatever you go okay i'm gonna learn about this issue yeah um and that's not what these are about and it's no, yeah. more about the why and yeah yeah um i mean yeah i mean the part of the reason that i've always sort of been interested in him was that realization that like he is i mean like i always think of him as like a little bit of a chronicler like mm -hmm. there's this sort of art to like having like ob observing something happening and like detailing it down in the case of like a chronicler like in words or something like that and yeah. the sort of art of construction is something that's part of what makes his films beautiful and what yeah. i think makes his films also sometimes horrifying and also <laughs> just interesting to watch like just very rich yeah. text because of that sort of art of construction yeah i mean there there is a way to watch and talk about this film that you know maybe a little psychopathic but like completely divorced from any of really the issues we're talking about as just just formalist right like mm -hmm. yeah like, you can totally the, like just look at this and like just really just take all the emotions in your heart and brain and just rip them out and talk about you know like the editing scientists. yeah like the <laughs> scientists yeah <laughs> do you have uh Alyssa, do you have like some other uh favorite Wiseman movies or ones that have just like left a, a good impression on you that um... oh my god I mean I am actually I'm a really I'm a really huge fan I think the one that like has stuck with me a lot which a lot of the Wisemans that really stick with me are ones that I don't necessarily expect to I would say like part mm -hmm. of obviously I like I talked about my initial interest was just choosing documentaries about subjects that I was interested like that I thought were interesting like um but model really hits for me um I find model very fascinating and very um, uh, mean <laughs> uh, and very like, it really make it's like, it really made me mad, like mad in like a lot of like very existential ways. Um, and huh. then like, I obviously, I love, there's other ones I love just kind of because like, they are just sort of like, I really was struck by things like Belfast, Maine and Ex Libris, um, two movies that also kind of, I love kind of just because I love feeling them sort of wash over me to a certain degree. Yeah, like sure. obviously Belfast, Maine is very much just all these different topics just sort of strung together. And it's very nice to sort of just sort of travel around that town um, mm -hmm. and see all the different ways it operates. And then Ex Liberis, obviously I've got a certain affection towards libraries and those sure. in general. <laughs> so I'm a little, that one I'm a little biased on. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think. I remember like putting on Ex Liberis when it was one of the early ones for me and and i was just like all right four and a half hours or whatever this is and i'm just like so like and it was late at night and i just like didn't want to turn it off because i was just like yeah. oh my everything god everything yeah. is interesting and it's always Everything's changing. interesting i ex libras i i actually cried during ex libras <laughs> at one point during the scene where they are like explaining like the sort of like the wi-fi devices that they're bringing to like schools mm -hmm. and stuff like that really i really got because also that was during the pandemic i hadn't been to a library in a really long time <laughs> and so i was getting all emotional like libraries are great like libraries <laughs> are so good and obviously like one of the great things about wiseman though is that wow like that is not like a like a like a fuzzy piece either like it's very straight up oh, and down yeah. about how like the day-to-day -day operations of that institution so for sure still being able to like 
have those feelings but also not feel like it's like this overly sentimental film is i love him so much he's so good he's great (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i agree with you um well, uh, thank you for sharing your enthusiasm with us um, and talking about this. Absolutely, very difficult yeah. To yeah watch it was absolutely my pleasure. Um, yeah, it was weirdly pleasurable to <laughs> sit down and watch this film um, and think about it afterwards. Uh, yeah, I'm really yeah. happy that you uh, invited me on. I very much oh, appreciated good. it. Yeah, it might be a while until I watch you. this again. No, me too. I was honestly like, I honestly like after it was done, I was like, why did I choose this one? <laughs> but I was when 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 I proposed it, I was so excited. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna talk about primate. Oh yeah, when I just uh, I have it on DVD and I just you know watch it, put it back in its case, and I'm like back on the shelf for 20 years with you. <laughs> get back in, get, get back in there, primate. <laughs> Well, yeah, thanks again. And uh, we will talk to you later. Absolutely. Talk to you later. Thank you. What we're doing, we're using a frequency generator where we can vary the frequency from around 18 cycles Mm -hmm. to, let's say, 100 cycles. I don't think we want to go more than that anyway. No, that's... And on the oscilloscope here, I have the signal. There's 100 cycles. Here we're going down to about 20 20 cycles per second. You've got perfect sinusoidal waves all the way through. Just use 60 cycles. All right. To see whether we can get the same ejaculate from John. Using the same stimulus parameters. Exactly the same stimulus parameters, right? All right. And then once we succeed in that, on future animals, then we can begin to vary frequency when we know that we have essentially the same system. Right, because obviously we're not certain whether it's 60 cycles or 40 cycles right. or any other particular frequency that's the optimum frequency for right. uh, obtaining sample we have, Remember, we have some indications that at 20 and 30 cycles, we were getting better erections. <clears throat> right, if we get erection at one frequency, but ejaculation at another frequency. So we're going to be and, uh, exploring the entire spectrum to see where these various physiological phenomena take place.